We the bestest cast with the left twist. Fat, fairly well dressed. Put me on the guest list. The guest list. Uh, yeah, on the guest list. Yeah. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week of On the Guest List with Fox Trying to Get Down, White Sox Dave, Kenny Carkey, and Dante. Uh no Kenny this week. We got Dave's flexing in the fucking chat. Love it. Uh Johnny, how are you, buddy? I'm good. Colin, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, man. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody. Uh I know I just passed Dave. You obviously had an eventful night. Uh I'm glad you didn't wind up doing the broad off thing. I thought that would have been corny. Yeah, to say the least, it would have. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say this: I, in spite of, I, I'm, I'm not as miserable as I say I am. I usually like people until they give me a reason not to like them, and then I'll hate them to the core for the rest of our lives. Facts. I was wrong about Jeff to do. He's a good cat. He seems like a nice guy. Yeah, he was a good cat. I, I, I mean, I try to disengage from everything going on in the Barcelona world because I would lose my fucking mind if I followed every single storyline. So I just right. didn't know him well. I just saw yeah. the, you know, the same videos we all see on the internet of him. But he, like, within five minutes of being in his presence, I'm like, ah, he's he's a good cat. Yeah, so, seemed, so I was uh, wrong. The new show is great. The mid show, uh, I thought that went really well yesterday. It actually uh, did very well. Congratulations on that. Dante was on there. Dante, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. Apparently, Dave has something to say to you. Uh, we can save that. Uh, you want to save it? We'll, we'll save that. All right. Cool. We'll save that. I think he knows what I'm going to say. <laughs> Look at this motherfucker <laughs> cheesing in the corner, dude. <laughs> Where are uh, you, by the way? Are you in a log cabin or like a shed or something? I'm at my new venue, baby. Oh, Above. give us a quick tour. Yeah, what is it? Which one is this? This is going to be a good night, John boy. I'm above, I'm standing above JP Graziano right now. Dante, Dante and I are about a mile apart from each other right now. It is funny because Dante goes, it's my new venue. And we all had to go, which one? Because you have like fucking 90 of them right now. God, trying to, build an, trying to build an empire, man. Look, I think at you're fucking hole, look at that fucking hole in the floor. What is that? What is that going to be? It's going to be a staircase. Ah. We're moving a staircase to the corner. Wouldn't this be a bitch if Dante fell through the floor and died? Yeah, dude. It's like <laughs> it 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 looks not as far of a drop as it actually is. It's fucking hot. I'm high up right now. Yeah, do it for the do it for the ratings, Dante. Come on. Yeah, do it for the fans, dude. All right, fuck it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, happy Valentine's Day to everybody. Uh, I shared some personal news on the internet finally this week. Uh, I'm gonna be a dad. Uh, me and my wife are, yeah, we finally shared that news. Uh, me and my wife are having a baby boy in August. Uh, excited, scared shitless. Uh, I did text the the group. So you uh, found out it. So you found out it was yours finally. It is definitely mine for sure. Hundred percent right, sure about good. that. Uh, good. wife is good. Uh, when Nervous. I told the group, I think the way I told the group was I texted the group something about Kenny's kids, and Kenny said, "Colin, having kids is so much fun. You should do it." And I texted the group back and said, funny thing about that. And Dave said, <laughs> I'm almost positive the in, in, in like initial reaction was don't care. Like instantaneously, I'm pretty sure I got hit with the don't care. Probably. Mm -hmm. Probably. Uh, I feel like there's like, there's a don't care every 45 minutes on that group chat. At least every 45 <laughs> minutes. Oh my It's infuriating. Uh, I don't care. 
Yeah, but <laughs> for those of you who do care, that's what uh, I think on the, the Grammy live stream, I had to cut myself off. Dave was saying something about I'm going to be miserable in life because I'm too happy now. And I was going to say, well, I do have kids on the way. And I went, yeah. and then Dave was like, yeah, don't say that. And I, he was going to say it too. So uh, what, did I, what did I say when you sent that news? I said, I'm very happy for you. I think you're going to be a great father, Colin. Yeah, you did say that. And I appreciate that, Johnny. Yeah. Uh, you're one of the few genuine souls we have in this world. No, this is what I said. I just pulled it up. I said, <laughs> in like eight months, it'll be the last time that kid ever sees a vagina. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> which is probably true. That is some fucked up ass bullshit. God damn. Uh, yeah. So uh, something like that was coming, though. I did. I did have a that awesome. was congratulations. You know that it is. Yeah. So no, and I appreciate it. To you and your family, Colin. To my former, to my future virgin son. I appreciate that. Uh, let's go into music. We do have two interviews this week. Uh, we've done a bunch recently. Uh, we have one that Dante and Dave did in person in Chicago with J.D. Clayton, who is an absolutely fucking incredible kind of Americana uh, country artist. Someone I didn't know that Dave found. Uh, I've watched the interview. It's fucking sick. You guys did a great job. Tell us more about J.D. Clayton. Dante can go he's ahead. The he's the truth, man. I uh, obviously had never heard of him before. I mean, Dave no one's heard of him, him because he literally Dave? just got his first ever album. Well, yeah, but I'm ju I'm just giving you credit. You broke another act that I now like love. I have followed on all my music fucking channels. Um, I'm listening to his stuff all the time. He is just like great fucking singer songwriter and unbelievable live. Like Dave and I got there while they were setting up for sound check and then heard their whole sound check and we were both like looked at each other like. Holy shit, this yeah. guy is like no joke. Like no joke. Really, really, really good. He he's really good. Um it's always I love doing interviews in person. I fucking hate the Zoom shit. Obviously, so we're at I. the mercy of that being in every corner of the country, Texas, Chicago, the Northeast, Southwest, blah, blah, blah. But um you can really get people's juices flowing in interviews, especially when you're live, when you, you can like bust balls and you can sniff them out and see how they'll you know, handle our form and style of interviewing. Yep. And uh, his he's he put out a song in 2018 uh, called "Brown Haired Blue Eyed Lady," and that's mm -hmm. about his now wife. And they just had a kid too. I think she's like nine months old or something. He said <laughs> uh, we got him talking about how his favorite women are actually uh, blonde-haired, brown-eyed women. That's <laughs> like that. so super funny, dude. Um, his story's awesome about how he was kind of just, just hustling around working landscaping and randomly some was some studio exec or something got a, one of his flyers for like an open guitar night in, in Nashville, just blew onto his windshield, called him <laughs> up, listened to his shit. Next thing you know, they're on the road. Well, fuck man. I can't, I can't wait for people to hear this interview. This is what I want everybody to go watch on YouTube as well. Um, guys did a great job on that. And by the way, on the note of like in-person interviews, I think that's something in the next couple months we're going to be doing a lot more in-person. Yeah. Uh, don't know how, but we'll figure it out. We always do. Um, other than that, we also have an interview today with Lost Boy Crow, who is Kenny's friend, uh, amazing musician, Chris. Guy looks exactly like Justin Herbert, the quarterback of the uh, San Diego or the Los Angeles Chargers. Fuck that guy. Great guy. Poor guy. Poor guy. Uh, yeah. He's so he's a smoke show. <laughs> yeah. He's, and he's from Oregon, too. Uh, great interview. Uh, this is one Kenny's been trying to get on our radar for a while. 
that he would like text me on side group chats and be like, yo, motherfucker, we're getting this guy on. We're getting him on. And I'm like, okay, get him on then. And then we wouldn't. And then we would. And then we wouldn't. Then we would. Uh, really great interview. We got two this week. When We're about to record a third in about a half an hour where we have the gin blossoms coming on for next week, which is going to be fucking electric. I can't wait for that. Um, but yeah, yeah I think. Good 90s nostalgia vibes going last few weeks. Yeah, we do. I love uh, it, dude. I love it. We have we have so many fucking interviews on the docket. Uh, we're actually having a hard time trying to keep everything in line and get back to everybody who wants to be a part of this. But fucking interviews are flying, man. Um, I think realistically, we want to keep segments short this week. We'll get into the interviews, but I, we do have to talk about the Super Bowl halftime show. Uh, let's just get it out on the on the fucking thing now. Super Bowl suck balls. Um, it was trash. The fucking holding call was trash. We, I honestly think Jalen Hurts was a better quarterback. Uh. I don't know anybody want to fucking talk any shit. I know Johnny already did. Johnny, play the I'm, sad song. Johnny, play the sad song. Oh, the sad I mean, song. I mean, Colin, if, if he doesn't drop that ball and give them seven points, yep, he is the better quarterback, and and they win. Um, but I mean, you can't you can't blow a ten point lead in the second half. You just Facts. can't, and that's that's coaching. That's Sirianni being fucking you know, as green as they come versus who arguably, not even arguably, it's it's case closed, the best coach in football right now. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we, not we were, not the we best were... ever. Belichick's the best ever, but Andy Reid is the best coach in football I mean, he's right a now. Thing. He's one of the greatest. Of <clears throat> we, uh... It's been much easier to swallow having had it in 2018-19, right? Absolutely. It's, no, still, it's, uh, still, uh, it's still hurts. I will Watch say, it. like, I felt oh, so... Dante. <laughs> it Dante. sucks. It sucks, dude. It felt, sucks. Yeah, leading up to it, hop on other bandwagons. You Cusack fucking turncoat bitch. <laughs> oh, I'm sampling this episode. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, no, I felt I felt really soft as a fan going into the Super Bowl because I I still feel like we're a little bit high on the hog from winning five years ago. Uh, but my hatred and my sadness and my loser mentality has come back full fold after that game. I sat in my sister's kitchen for like a half an hour after the game, after because the game was over after that holding call with a minute and a half left. They just fucking basically ran the clock out and kicked the field goal. It was bullshit. It was a very deflating way to lose a game. I just sat in the, the dining room and just repeated the word trash over and over and over and over again to the point where my wife was like, just get in the fucking car. She's like, you're an idiot. Um, but- I have never experienced a... White Sox World Series loss, only a White Sox World Series win. But if they lost the World Series, I would probably shoot myself in the face. Well, the Phillies lost the World Series like uh, three months ago, and then the fucking Eagles lost the Super Bowl. So I'm going to get beat up, man. Sucks balls. The Sixers are going to break my heart. The Flyers are a fucking poverty franchise. And the Phillies are coming back, and now they're favorites. So we'll see what happens. But let's talk about it. It is way better to not get that close at all than to get that close and come up short. It fucking sucks. Yeah. It seriously sucks. It is so fucking hard to win a championship. And I know this is a music yeah. podcast, so I'll be quick, but if you get there, like, you have to win. You have yeah. to Because chances are you're not getting there again. Well, it's also different, though, with the Phillies, though. We weren't expected to even make the fucking playoffs. So that True. was such a magical run. We were the best team in football all year. So this was kind of a kick in the nuts. But Yeah, that's yeah. well said, too. Well, let's talk yeah. about the halftime show because there was a lot of people online, and I got mad about this, who were bitching about the halftime show. Bitching about the halftime show. 
I don't think there was anything to uh, historically celebrate here. I don't think any boundaries were broken or anything like that. I thought Rihanna did a great fucking job. She just played the hits. What else can you ask for? And she's pregnant. What else? Like, she literally... It was good. It was good, man. And, like, it was subtle, but it was a fucking hell of a production without being, like, over the top and just, like, production for the sake of production. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Like, what did you want her to do? Ride it on... What did you want to do? Ride it on a giant fucking, like, lion like Katy Perry, whose performance sucked? I thought Katy Perry's performance was terrible a couple years ago. Like, I just don't know what you expect. Is there any... Like, when was the last time people were over the moon happy about the halftime show? It's been a minute. Uh, last year, people loved it, except the oh, racists yeah. didn't. Right, yeah. The racists ra- didn't like the it. The racists didn't like it. Was the, it was the Dr. Dre Dr. Snoop Dr. Dog. Dre and Snoop. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that it was, was awesome. the all the all Dude, the Twitter you know, avatar, all the Twitter the avatars is, of the guys. Go ahead, the internet go ahead. is just full of bad people because yeah, I, people. I I posted something like on a, on our podcast. I was talking about the Chris Stapleton thing, like raving about it, just saying how fucking amazing it was. Like it literally made me more patriotic. Yes. Where like, I don't even believe in patriotism, but I was like, fuck it. I love America just because of how well he's saying that. And I'm saying, I do love America, but you know, you know me. I'm not like a patriotic type of person right, in that right. way. Uh, some fucking bastard wrote on these like, are you stupid? He messed up the song. Why can't he just sing it how it was written? It's like, first of all, what do you mean how it was written? Shut the fuck up you know, how it was written. Like, like, it, it's like you, it would take 30 minutes to finish it. It wasn't even a song. It was a poem. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like if you would watch the Chris Stapleton thing and you didn't, if if you hated that, you are a piece of shit, like categorically a piece of shit. You just said, I, people are just miserable. Pe- there are yeah. people out there that just have to fucking be miserable and shit and like shit in their diaper and sit in it and just pout. <laughs> and and that's and those people feed off of other people giving praise to something it drives me fucking insane johnny fucking i just sent you johnny i just sent you a video if you could pull this up uh on it's uh i, I just saw somebody repost this video and it always makes me laugh liberty mutual customizes uh, your car insurance it's if migo sang the national anthem and i was like this this might make people happy if we actually got this it's it's a funny video but it is so fucking good like i actually kind of wish that someone would do the national anthem this way you got it, Johnny? Is it? Yeah. To everyone to please stand for the national anthem performed by Quavo from the Migos. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early night? What's so proudly we had at the twilight last gleaming? The ice songs burn stripes and bright stars. You gotta let, let this fire rock out. Alright, Dude, Colin, please, please post that on our social. I gladly please. will. Uh, that Dude. was my. I was like, I kind of <laughs> wish that they would let Migos do it one year. I would watch no. the shit out of that. No, uh, we would go to just Civil a, War. Bro, we just ima- imagine all the people who were mad about the halftime show in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's what the, I mean. I know I'm going on about this, but that that's what's so amazing about the the version that he did on this last one. Like everyone 
tries to do something different with it, and that's generally where they fall down is because they try to to do too much with it. They get too involved in their ego of showing like all the runs and their vocal chops and everything. He did that where he like, he altered it a fair amount in terms of like a traditional harmonic approach to it. And it didn't lose the essence of what it is, which is a great fucking song. Like just purely musically, I'm talking about like, he's a fucking master, dude. And I was, I was like, I love seeing shit where I'm actually inspired and that happens so rarely with me because you know me, I'm a fucking hater myself, (laughs) but I don't know. That was just inspiring. Like shit, this is what's possible. If you just focus on music as a pure art form and it was, it was awesome. Amen. I thought it was great. I thought it was great, man. I I, I just didn't think there was any way anybody would hate on it. And then I remembered that it was the internet and they hate on everything. But um, have you ever heard him do a version? He does a version of with his wife uh, of uh, what is it? Uh, you are my sunshine. It's like the the you are my sunshine, yeah. my only sunshine. Uh, dude, I, I like fucking cry every time I hear it. It's it's that good. Like this dude could sing the alphabet and it would still be great. Yeah, uh, he's fucking amazing. He's gnarly, dude. Uh, but no, uh, I thought Stapleton did a great job. Um, I thought Rihanna did a, a really great job. The only thing that I did think was really funny was when people were photoshopping all the characters from Super Smash Brothers. Uh, on the the platforms that she was standing on, because it really did look like uh, the Super Smash Brothers. Level. How did I miss this? Because that you didn't see fun. that. I didn't see that. No, that's hilarious. It's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty good. <laughs> that's fucking funny. That's just good. That's what the internet should be. Shit that's like what the internet's for. Yes, a hundred percent. That's old school internet shit right there. Um, but no, that's really all I had for the Super Bowl. Fuck, fuck the Chiefs. Fuck the refs. My life is a hell hole that I can't get out of with sports. Um, but other than that, Dante, I think the one thing we should talk about quickly, and this is completely kind of off the beaten path for our podcast, but, uh, we got a text yesterday. I'm not going to say from who or where or what, but, uh, Skrillex and fucking Fred again are headlining, uh, MSG tonight and Dante could not get tickets. Dante, you want to clarify this? I mean, it's Saturday, not tonight. You just gave me a fucking heart attack. Oh, my bad. (laughs) Jesus. Uh, yeah, completely shut out of tickets. Just once again, Mr. Favor doing favors for fucking everybody. Finally phones one in and, uh, no can do from anybody. So I'm going to have to fucking go on StubHub like a or game time. You mean game time, game time. time. We'll we'll, we'll bleep that other one out. I'm going to have to go on game time like a schlub and, uh, and scalp one. But if you are going to use the ticketing, because I like you, I'll get you those tickets. How many do you want? (laughs) You will. You will. Don't take. Don't take this. Don't take this favor, Dante. (laughs) This is that scene in Godfather Two. You don't want. You don't do this. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I think I I think I could make it happen. You're right. I think I, thanks, I think I might be getting no in, thanks, I think I might be getting inspired to get into a little more dance music. I can't lie. I have been listening to a lot more dance music recently. Dude, that track Rumble is fucking really good. That dude it's so fu- good, Johnny. Yeah. Thank you. The, His, dude, this Skrillex album, did you guys hear the little snippet he released the other day no. with the little hedgehog? Mm-hmm. He he posted this little hedgehog like avatar it's like the i'm gonna sound super fucking lame saying this it is like the cutest little fucking thing (laughs) and it and and it no pull it up it's a little cgi like hedgehog with these like big baby eyes and he put this vocal behind it and it's a teaser for another song and it's the most beautiful 
Uh, it's auto-tuned as fuck, but it's a beautiful female vocal behind it. And people are like going, this album's going to be unreal. I, I, Dude, we I saw, can't wait for it. When we played Lollapalooza way back in like 2014, 15 or something, uh, he played on our stage like way later that night and our bus was parked. We were the one bus that somehow got to park in the <clears throat> festival ground. So we were like in the middle of the streets just with thousands of people walking by and heard his set start because our fucking bus like lifted off the ground, the bass from that, like back in the big dubstep era, you know, it's just, <laughs> yeah. I've never in my life have I heard bass like that from like half a <laughs> mile away. Like <laughs> just like, it was like an earthquake, man. I've never gotten into the dubstep thing. I do, I didn't understand it when it was happening. I I was like, this sounds like robots fucking. It never made sense to me. But now I don't know. Like the the Fred again thing. Like Dante, you, you and Emily had pushed that hard on me, and that shit is so fucking good that I'm actually getting into it. But dude, t I I mean, I'm sure there's gonna be some electronic music fans that are saying that I'm fucking up genres here because that's so like gnarly how like clicky that is. But I think what Fred again is bringing to this Skrillex track in particular and in general is like a proper English understanding of drum and bass and jungle because dubstep sounds to me like a weird lost cousin. <laughs> of drum and bass and jungle that ended up getting too like robotic exactly like you're saying there was an organic element to drum and bass and and originally like jungle because they were sampling these old uh beats you know old old almost like reggae beats sometimes for the breaks and it had this organic feel to it while still being electronic music whereas dubstep just went like f i agree with you it's like full robot which is kind of boring i think it didn't make sense to me when I when dubstep was really happening. I was in college and that was so clicky. Like there was like a group of kids on campus that were like the dubstep kids, and right. it didn't fucking make sense to me. But I've always liked drum and bass, and jungle is something I've been introduced to more and more recently. I don't know the house music shit. I'm all I'm I'm full in on, but I think Dante might be getting me into to like EDM music, which is fucking crazy. <laughs> uh let, let, let's let's do this just for sake of time let's go into our first interview here with jd clayton we'll come out quickly uh, i want dave to to air his grievances with dante and then we'll go into the interview oh, with God. Crow. my uh, I'll, uh let's go into the interview let's go in the, let's go in the jd clayton interview uh ladies and gentlemen this is uh david dante's interview with jd clayton with White Sox Dave here with J.D. Clayton uh, at the world famous Carol's Pub here on the north side of Chicago. So happy to be here. Thank you for letting us come here. You just sound checked. You guys sounded fucking incredible. Even the sound Thanks, check man. I was really getting into and you guys were just sitting there like tuning guitars and shit. It was really fun. Thanks, man. I appreciate you guys having me on the show. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm a huge fan of Ed Warm, the owner here. Yeah. Um, everybody that he books just seems to either already be established in a huge name or on their way on a rocket ship yeah. to success. So the fact that uh, you're here, um, you know, when we lined this up, I was like, all right, I got to check this guy out. I dove into your music a few weeks ago and was like, you guys are pretty fucking good, man. Thanks, man. Thank you. Uh, what, like, give us your story. How did you guys get started? How did you get started? Yeah. Um, so, the full story, I guess, it would start when I was in high school. Um, 
I had my dad was a pastor, which is what like last year. Yeah. 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 How old are you? Um, I'm 27. 27. Yeah, you look like you're like 22. <laughs> That's great. So yeah. he's got a little bit of the Marcus King vibe. Yeah, I, baby face. I, 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 I'm trying to trying to the the stash. I, I was it was a I was trying to like change you know not be so baby face, but I can't even throw it in the middle. Um, it looks so, good like that. Yeah, it does. Thanks. Thank you. So church band. Yeah. So nice. dad was a pastor. Uh, so grew up in church, playing in church, and. Uh, Senior year of high school, I had kind of always dabbled with guitar and stuff, but uh, a friend of mine asked me to come play uh, the graduation song uh, for our graduation. Mm-hmm. Did that and was hooked. We just, we just had a blast doing it. When you um, say dabbled in guitar, did you teach I mean, yourself? I, yeah, I just did played, you, you know, no, I just uh, learned self-taught? from YouTube videos and Marty stuff. Marty Schwartz home. guy? Dude. Like this guy yeah, right Marty, here. Marty, Marty Schwartz is a legend. He's yeah. a legend. We <laughs> interviewed him like four or five months ago, and I mean, Dave was it, in it, awe. Yeah, it, it's just cool. He's self-made, and yeah, you know, he he's had his hand in music as much as anybody over the last, you know, however long he's been doing his YouTube series. So that's right. As soon as you said you're self-taught, I'm like, he obviously learned from Marty Schwartz. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I think we all did. Um, that's awesome. It's so. So you played your high school graduation and caught the bug? Yeah. And then the next month started. How many, how many people is that? I think I graduated with um, I don't know, between 200 and 500. It was a pretty decent-sized class. I was going to say, that's pretty. So, um, but so that meant like small-town Arkansas, it, like 30 graduating class, 30 that's decent, no, yeah, yeah, that's no, decent size. Yeah, it's decent It's There's two main mm-hmm. high schools in Fort Smith. Fort Smith's around 90,000, I think. Um, and... So yeah, caught the bug from that and enjoyed that performance aspect. Uh, it was the first time really stepping out of my comfort zone to do that and started, I just went down to the local farmer's market and on Saturday I started busking, just trying to make a little extra cash and a couple months later started college and decided I was going to try to write songs and wrote my first song and then started, started a little band with a guy out of a music appreciation class and you know, just kind of built from there. Started on the weekends with drive to Nashville, and I'd leave like 5 a.m. on a Friday morning, get there, try to record as many demos as I could, and then leave Monday morning at five and try to get back in time for class. I uh, just would <laughs> would just go back and forth between the two. That's hustling right there. It was it was a learning experience. I you know none of the stuff that I recorded we ended up using because uh, it was just I kind of got I learned so much because I I hired a guy that was kind of using me. I, I was really learning how to write songs, so it was really during that process that I kind of figured out what recording music was all about. Mm-hmm. So, randomly met a guy on Instagram that he his you know bio said producer. So I was like, hey man, I'm trying to. It was just some <laughs> random guy. I was like, hey man, I'm trying to record music. Is there any way you could like help me? So we met for coffee, and um, he kind of took me under his wing, and we recorded uh, my first EP, which was I guess that was in 2018, and then. Fast forward, you know, went through, my wife and I decided we were going to leave Fort Smith, move to Nashville, and she was working as a nurse, um, and yeah, just chased the dream, chased right? the dream, and then sh- shortly after getting there, COVID hit. Yeah, um, I was just going to say, yeah, bad to, timing. Bad timing, um, and then I, so I ended up going to work for a landscape company, and while I was working there, I wrote all the songs on the album that I just put out, so um, that was kind of like a a big moment of like discovering who I was mm-hmm. and you know um, 
figuring out that story of long way from home, leaving Fort Smith, and yep. you know, going. I, I figured once you said you 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 know started working landscaping, nobody on earth wants to fucking work landscaping. I worked it for a half day, and I was like, get me out of here, and I had a buddy come pick me up. Yeah, um, in the middle of the first shift, uh, and that's when I knew I never wanted to do manual labor of any sort ever again. I'll stick to sitting in front of a computer, but yeah, like I, so. So in that in that time frame in that COVID time frame, I mean you're young, you're 25 or whatever at the time, yeah. and you haven't really started a career. You have an idea of what you want to do, but the entire world shut down, so you can't do. It. How did you kind of pivot and yeah. make it work? It was it was tough because I had a degree. I mean I had gone to to school. Um, and for, so you have fallback plans. Yeah, yeah. But but it, I got into a weird situation because at that time, as you know, I mean. People stopped hiring, yep. you know, mm-hmm. and so the goal was, well, let me just, you know, let's shows are done. So um, let me kind of look around, and nobody was hiring. They were shutting down everything in Nashville, um, and so Nashville got hit really hard. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it got gutted. I mean, the music industry. We talked about that with Colin and, and Kenny. Like <clears throat> those guys live on live shows. I mean, yeah, you know how it is. You know, there's so much more than just and that the trickle down. Bands. Yeah. There's, Bus boys, yeah, yeah. There's the stagehands. Yep. There's the vent. Yep. You know, the bus drivers. Yep. The tour manager. I mean, it just encompasses such a large group. I mean, when you decide to pack up and move to Nashville, that's no easy decision. What did your parents and family think? Everybody was a little bit. Um, some of my family was a little bit worried. Um, where I'm from, that's. You're getting into music. You might as well be getting into drugs. And you know, <laughs> so uh, there was there was a little bit of pushback, but at the same time, I had people in my corner that were like, "Don't do it." Yeah, you yeah. you seem to have something. We don't know. I mean, it's not you're not you know you're not the greatest of all time by any means, but there's something there. So maybe you should go chase it. So um, we knew that if we didn't do it when we were, you know, what twenty. I guess 22 years old that or no I guess I don't know how old we were young early 20 yeah. 24 young kids still yeah we knew if we didn't do it then we weren't going to do it mm-hmm. so your writing process you know you said you learned to write songs pretty early are you a pen and paper guy or are you in your head like Ronnie Van Zant style just memorizing um it it depends there's been times where you know we'd be sawing limbs um like off of a a row of condos just getting them off the power lines and stuff and we'd be uh, you know I don't know just a tune would pop in my head I'd start kind of like making up words and then if I heard something in my head I was like geez that actually might be something like the song we'll play tonight Heartaches After Heartbreak started I, just I, like I was that. gonna say that was my favorite song on the album that <clears throat> Thanks, was my favorite man. song on the Thank album you. that it started just like that I, I had the first the first verse just in my head and then I Sometimes I have a problem with like remembering, so I'll just immediately once I know I've got something, I'll pull out my phone and either it sing out, it yeah. into my voice memo or I'll just type it out. Mm-hmm. Long way from home was written like that. We we had um, basically we'd take lunch at eleven, and then the guys would all take a siesta right after that. And you know I'm sitting there right next to Alfredo. He's just passed out, and I'm I'm just down as all get out. I'm just like, what am I doing here in the middle of Tennessee, eight hours away from home? 
uh, in the middle of COVID, you know, this is just, I could be, if I'm going to do landscape, I have a college degree. If I'm going to do landscape, I might as well go back home to Arkansas and do it, you know. Might but, as well, yeah. So um, there's a lot of doubts and just, I had been chasing Nashville and not really, I hadn't found my way or my sound. So, yeah, I just started typing as is. And it just the song was done, and like by the time we went back to work, I had the song almost done. And then I've got a recording on my phone of us hopping in the car, and you hear them speaking Spanish, and I'm like humming the chorus for the first time. And then I got home that day and had it done. Uh, it was just like, love that. I love. The, that. I love the birth stories of of music and songs as a whole. Um, the, where was that success though? So obviously, pandemic everybody's minds going a million miles an hour no one knows what the fuck's going on how long it's going to last all that where so it's 2023 now where or when was the point where you're like oh shit this is it i like where, where, was there a specific moment where was, or was it like a build-up when did your when did the break come yeah um, where, where was the break i guess what happened was uh once we had the album done it was, I guess this was April of 2021. I called back my old producer and I just said, dude, I've got 10 songs that I just finished. Um, and this is the Instagram guy? Yeah. Okay. His name's Thomas Doolin. I said, Thomas, I've got 10 songs that I just finished and I'm, I, I can't do this job anymore. Like, I'm quitting tomorrow. I need you to book two weeks for me because I'm going to record this album. And I had no idea how I was going to pay for it or anything. Uh, Figure it out. And so he did. We recorded the record, got it done, and... In 2022, randomly, a, a poster flyer from one of my shows landed up on the desk of an agent in Nashville, and she gave it to the agent that she worked for, and they called me in, and they were like, uh, we basically had coffee, and I, they were like, yeah, we like your music. I was like, well, I just finished an album that you know I really want to put out, and you guys should check it out. So I sent them that private link, and it just started steamrolling from there. That private link got sent, That's you know, amazing, over a man. thousand times, probably in Nashville, just to different execs and stuff, just by texting it, you know, hey, I don't yeah, know if you've out, heard this, out. see what you think. Um, Who the so, hell put your flyer yeah, on Yeah, that's, that's like an angel <laughs> know, from above, It was you know? crazy. I, yeah. I don't know. Um, I guess the basement on 8th Avenue in Nashville is kind of like Carol's. It's just a classic. Didn't we go there? Yeah, I bet we, you did. We, I mean, we went there. We were in Nashville in June, and yeah. we went there, yeah. Yeah, so it's a classic place. So I think these agents were always checking the flyers to mm -hmm. see, like, if something yeah, popped yeah, up, yeah. who's this, you know. Right. So I, the T-shirt the that we have, it's just like a cartoon image, the album cover, the mm -hmm. cartoon image of my face. That was what the Christmas flyer was that ended up so on So it's all so it was, coming together. comes back to the... Uh, the, the gap mustache man it, get, it gets people that's that's just an awesome story like so so it starts snowballing you said and steamrolling a little bit yeah what was that like all right you're are you starting to get noticed on the streets and shit in nashville where it's like hey like hey jd clayton like saw you last night you know i mean no not necessarily i mean we we still have a really long way to go a long just, way to go but you, know, you guys are on the right path right yeah now. yeah i think i think um it just really i think we saw some growth when we had added, built the whole team. We had management, mm -hmm. agencies, uh, and kind of all started working together to put the album out, got it ready, and to build some steam, they started calling for favors. You know, like a Randy Rogers band down in Texas, like, do you have, can we open for you, you for three yeah. days? You know, things like that. Uh, uh, trying to support acts, you know, uh, that are bigger than me, mm -hmm. and 
try to slowly build a fan base. So that's kind of what's been happening. We've just um, and then put the album out, and the streams have started to go up. So um, by you know by no means are we what I say we're there yet, but we're definitely we're we're gonna no, keep there, grinding. You it's know? your first album. You can't that's say you're right. a finished that's product. Right. Yeah. You know you got a whole lifetime of making music ahead yeah, of you. You know. Right. But it, you are on, like, I'm not even the world, I would say I'm not a country fan, for the yeah, most part. Yeah. Um, I'm more, you know, bluesy rock, which I know there's parallels, but yeah. the, like, I've given your music to, I don't know, a half dozen people call it, and, and I've specifically given it to people that are, like, country to the core, country yeah. music to the yeah. core. And I'll get a text from, like, a day or two later, like, hey, who was it? Who'd you send that? Like, I need that album. And I'm like, J.D. Clayton, he's really fucking good, isn't he? So That's crazy. Like, if I have an ear for it and it hits me right away, yeah. I'm sure you are doing something right, you know? Thanks, man. Thank you. That's, I mean, that's kind of what where we want to be. That's my favorite type of music. I mean, we're not, I wouldn't say we're really trying to go um, down the main pipeline of country. Mm-hmm. Country serves as this kind of umbrella that it's its own music industry, and underneath that you have so much. Right. You know, we like to fit in that kind of, Southern rock, Americana, blues, you know, uh, those areas. Like, on that note, Turnpike Troubadours is one of my all-time favorite bands. And they're, like, country-adjacent-ish, I guess. And But it's it's really cool. And I I personally am looking forward to showing off and being like, hey, we interviewed him on the ground level when you're winning Grammys one day, you know, playing with Chris Stapleton. Have you gotten to meet, like, let's start here. Where, who are your influences as a musician? Yeah. I mean, definitely Chris Stapleton. Mm-hmm. We have not met. We we have the same team, okay. Um, but we've not. Uh, we're represented by the same management, but I haven't met him yet. So uh, I, hear, I hear great things. I know he's a great guy. Um, but yeah, Chris Stapleton. Um, you know, out of left field, a little curveball would be Jack Johnson, the surfer singer. I love Jack Johnson. Yeah, he was a, guy, a friend of my dad's went out to California on a trip and when he came back he had two CDs one was Jack Johnson's Brushfire Fairy Tales and then uh, Room for Squares John Mayer and those two records I guess this would have been 2002 um, or 2001 those two records were all my dad and I listened to in the car on the way to practice or anything forever mm-hmm. and so that was kind of like all I knew. There was this side over here that was like Creedence Clearwater Revival, Leonard Skinner, classic rock, and then Jack Johnson, John Mayer, yep. early 2000s singer-songwriters, Nora Jones. You know, we'd listen to a little bit of Tracy Chapman. Um, These are like all the You're, you're, you're really, really, really hitting right me now. in my feels right now. No, oh, yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's all I knew. So when I was starting out in Fort Smith, um, you know, well before we moved to Nashville, it was all just – kind of this R&B groove stuff that we were trying out and uh, you know, a little bit of reggae mixed with, you know, some roots rock stuff. So it really wasn't until I moved to Nashville. My dad hates country, and so I just – we didn't grow up right, within right. the house. That's how I was too. Um, I just listened to what my dad listened to. Yeah, so I didn't, I didn't learn about country until I moved to Nashville. And then just so you're disappointing your father right now seeing oh, him yeah. come out of country. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, who's not disappointing <laughs> their father? I, I, my dad doesn't even <laughs> want to talk to me. He only does because he's, like, socially obligated to. Yeah, yeah, no. It, you my, 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 <laughs> my dad and I have a good relationship. But, but, yeah, he just didn't – he didn't like country, so we didn't listen. And once I got to Nashville, I was given a heavy dose. And it's, you know, it's changed me for the better. I, 
I don't listen to a lot of stuff on the radio. I'm a huge fan of, of uh, late 50s, mid-60s country, mm-hmm. um, and then some country funk that came out of the early 70s. Um, but John Prine? Love John Prine. Love John Prine. You're Love. in the right... If you say John Prine around these parts, you... Yeah. We're he's big, a legend. We're big John Prine fans. We listen to... Uh, I mean, that's kind of all we listen to in the car is just, you know, call it vintage music. Oh, yeah. We, we listen to... That's kind of where we stay, so... Americana. Yeah, man. So, for this album, Long Way... Long Way Home or Long Way From Home? Long Way From Home. From Home. Yeah. Long... Because... Never mind. Left the home. Yep. Now we're here. And it was a long-ass way. What does the success of the album look like to you? Are you, ch- like, are you chasing numbers? Are you... I mean, obviously, you are happy with the album because you put the album out. What yeah. is the success in terms of, like, career-wise? What does it look like? Yeah, what does like? success look like? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I'm guilty of checking the numbers every day, for sure. Yeah, of course um, you are. We all are. We're in the numbers game, too, for clicks on the internet, you know? Trying to trying to make sure those are going up. I think where we're starting to see success is when we play a room like Carol's tonight and you can look out and there's you know one, two, three, four people mouthing back the yep. words to your songs. That's you that's I have to like I get caught up in that and kind of get for emotional sure, because it's sure. just like what are we what you know, can't believe people would know. I mean, this too. show's sold out tonight, so you're probably going to have a few dozen. I, I hope so. I hope so. Um, that would be great. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's going to be a lot of fa- Tanner that is playing uh, the show tonight as well. You know, he's from not far from Fort Smith over in Oklahoma, and so. You know, that area of the country... That's where Turnpike's from, too, I think, yeah, right? They're, yeah, Turnpike's from 45 minutes from Fort Smith. Yeah. Yeah, just, just across the Arkansas River. So, um, I mean, I personally think the fact that you're touring this album is... This quick, that's, that's a right very, yeah. very good sign of success, no, I'd I, say. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I, I'd like I'm, to think so. I mean, we're... What's I'm, this tour look like? How many dates? I think in total it's close to. Um, it go right now. We're just up backing up to March. I think it's twenty something. Um, but we'll. I'm kind of at this stage where we just kind of have to take shows as they come. So we've got um, eight or eight or so shows in Colorado in a week and a half. We're opening for Dwight Yoakam in Arkansas and Oklahoma. Nice. That's going to be awesome. Uh, a big stadium in Little Rock, Arkansas. So that'll be a first for us. Um, nice. And then we'll go back to Colorado in March with Pat Green for spring break, uh, Texas spring break. That's going to be crazy. There you go. Um, and then, yeah, we're just kind of taking it. We might record another record in April. Um, and Is that pressure from the label? No, I'm not on a label. I'm still independent. It's pressure from me. I, I – I'm starting to have, you know, more songs come out uh, just at home, you know, and I, I don't know, I, I like the idea of, of having content. Yeah, for sure. You need it flowing. in 2023 with the attention spans everybody has. You right. Know? Yeah. Attention well, span of gnats. Yeah, exactly. So I'm trying to. Um, we'll see if that happens. Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to put a deadline on myself, but at the same time, I'd, I'd, I'd like us to be able to play, come play a show and go for two or three hours with my own material, you know. Right. And you need, you need a, an Are you guys going to cover anything tonight? 
Yeah, we're going to cover, give me one reason, Ch- Tracy uh, Chapman. Geez, I love it. I love it. Uh, we're going to cover Midnight Special by, uh, well, it's a traditional song, but the version that's most popular is uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival. Um, and then we might, yeah, we're going to cover a Leonard Skinner song called Mississippi Kid, but we kind of change it to our own, uh, we call it Arkansas Kid. Arkansas Kid, Kid yep. yeah. So, love that. Um, uh, what are you looking forward to on the tour? I'm really looking forward to Colorado. I I grew up going to Colorado my whole life. Uh, since I think the first time I went, I was five weeks old, and my parents are big um, outdoor folks. And, um, yeah, we just – It's the best. It is the best. But I've never played a show there, so mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be – Red Rocks one day. Yeah, man, I, I hope so. Um, that, it's going to be just to play some of these clubs in, uh, you know, Colorado Springs or whatever. It's, it's going to be a blast. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait, so – um, we, I, I'm hoping, I think we're going to, we're playing Rebels and Renegade in October in California. Um, so that's going to be our first, uh, well, I guess technically my second festival, but that's a first for us to go out that far out West mm-hmm. for a festival to, for an album. Like, I mean, that's, we're really looking forward to that. Um, Brandon and I, the videographer, we were talking about Andy Frasco. I mean, are you familiar with Andy Frasco? Um, I am. Not, not very well, but I know yeah. some of his stuff. He's the absolute man. Get yeah. to know him okay. on just a right. human level. Yeah. Wild man. Okay. But um, he's been on our show, I don't know, half easily half dozen. He's a friend of the program. Like, I have his number at this point. I just, hey, what are you doing tonight? But, okay. uh, nice. Um, like, he's gotten a lot of his success playing in the festival yeah. circuit in front of, you know, 100,000 people yeah. when probably 10 of those people know who he is. Yeah. Next thing you know... You know, half that audience says, oh, this guy's fucking awesome. Then it spreads like wildfire, you know, so. It's, I I really think this year's going to be a monumental time for us. Uh, First time, you know, having a full-length album out and playing in front of, you know, crowds that we've never had an opportunity (laughs) to tour in front of. I mean, it's, if that doesn't make a difference, I don't, you know. Is there anything that makes you nervous? Good question. That is a good question. Um, I... I get a little nervous before each show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, just like athlete shits before Mm -hmm. before a game. I get those pretty bad. So, I'm not fun to hang out with right before a show. (laughs) I mean, you seem pretty calm and and cool right now. Yeah, I was watching up there. You were in your sandals, just like, obviously there's nobody here yet, but you seem like even keel. Very chill. I I mean, I I don't think I, I let on how nervous I am. But when I get up there, I'm pretty, you know, just when we start, um, there's all, there's a million different things that could go wrong, you know, and and they have, and so you know the beauty of live, yeah, performing. the beauty of live performing, and so some nights, you know, we're Spin really it comfortable. Into a positive, positive. I gotta, yeah, I gotta, yeah. I, I gotta ask because I've listened to it fifty times this week. Um, first off, how did you? I hope that you wrote this before I ask this. How did you write Brown Hair, Blue Eye Baby? And what made it pop? Like, how did Yeah, great it, question. I mean, it really... I mean, talking numbers. Yeah. A shit ton of yeah. plays on that song. Um, I think it was the fourth song I ever wrote. I wrote it for my wife. Uh, it was my, my girlfriend at the time. She has brown hair and blue eyes. Wow. Uh, it's not... <laughs> Talk about it present. <laughs> it was... Uh, I was really 
happy when we, because that was one of those songs that I had worked on during that period in college that I just, we couldn't get done correctly. So once I started working with Thomas, my senior year of college, and we put out that first EP, that was the first time I really got to be in a studio with real session musicians and watch them work. And so to finally hear my song, you know, come back like that, it was like, golly, this is um, yeah, this you is get terrific. Like chills yeah. and well, like dude, I mean, relief. The yeah, fa- the fact that that was one of your first works. Yeah, the song's is, five years old already. It's crazy because of how non, like, descriptive it is. Very unique. Not just, I mean, the writing's awesome, the lyrics are awesome, the music's great, but like. Cadence is different. Yeah. Kind of takes you on this ride, and then at the end, there's that like cliffhanger. Yeah. And then, I mean, yeah. for a young artist to have the balls to do that, and then for whoever your producer is, I forget his name. Thomas. Yeah. Yeah, for Thomas to let you go in that direction um, and not be like his kids. Did you crazy. pull from John Mayer at all in that song? Oh yeah. Well, that's, to, to be that's honest, love is a verb, right? Well, uh, I I I, a, I could sense it a little bit. There I'm was like, a lot of people that were were telling me it was like slow dancing in a burning room too. I'm trying um, to I, like hear them both simultaneously in my head, but there's a lot of influences. I, to be honest, I didn't. It wasn't like I was going in to try to, um, you know, steal from that. No, song. of course it, I didn't. It, I didn't it, try to make know, it sound like no, that no, no. It, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, he's one of. You know, a huge well, influence of mine. Yeah. So you know, yeah. when you spend that much time listening and trying to emulate another artist, that's the cool thing about about each artist um, that we listen to every day. They had influences that they were trying to copy. They worked really hard to do that, and in doing so, they failed. And when falling short, they became their own artist. Their own, exactly right. And um, and so that's kind of a beautiful thing. So. Um, so when you're, I'm you never going to be John Mayer. <laughs> 45 years old or whatever, and you're on stage, whatever stadium, like, I, f- I feel like for for especially musicians, because it's not like athletes, like it's like, oh, I emulate my games, like, you can't really do that because you're playing against someone else who's trying to force you to fail, you know. But with music, like, it's it's a constant evolution of. Like you go, all right. You can go all the way back to the '30s with like Ry Cooter and yeah. guys like that, and they evolved into guys like Chris Stapleton and yeah. you. And like, should it happen one day? What like I feel like to a musician, be like, hey, like I try, I base my guitar playing and my singing off of you. Like, is that something that's a goal of yours or something that has happened yet? I, I did have a cool opportunity where uh, a kid sent me. A video of him singing "Brown Hair, Blue Eyed Baby" in a, ta- in a talent show, and that that awesome. that, cho- that chokes me up pretty yeah, good. That's I was, exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, right. I, and that's not that's never the goal. That kid's uh, a little womanizer. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, he is. You know he is right that's now. That's a that's a killer idea right there. Uh, so yeah, I mean, but that's that was, got that's got to be pretty. Oh, that's awesome it, it's that's a really cool thing to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, if if that happens, great. But that's never the the goal is never to like you know try to get people to be me. I don't you know if they like my music. I, I hope they do. <laughs> how'd your um, so how'd this band come together? Are they Nashville guys or are they hometown guys that you brought with you? Yeah. How'd you guys form? The um, the drummer and I grew up together in Fort Smith, Arkansas. 
his dad was my mom's PE teacher, and he was my his dad was my one of the football coaches and, and track coaches at this junior high I went to. Um, his name is Kirby Bland, incredible drummer. Uh, I think he'll he'll be one of the greatest drummers of all time one day. Uh, you said the, that with conviction right there. I I mean he's got like the look. I'll tell you that. No, yeah, he's. I, I walked in here and was like, there are some characters in this bar right now. I mean, you guys like, not to sound like. No, please. That's not we, gay or we, anything. We, we, you guys have like one of the best looks going up there, <laughs> like across the board. Thanks, man. Keyboardist to the bass player. Yeah, you guys. So like Southern folk. No, you guys look Thanks, awesome, man. Thank you. We've 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 worked hard on it. It's not. It's been something we've definitely sat down and you know how do we kind of what's the look we're going for? Hey guys, make sure you're wearing this. You know something. So we've we've worked on it. But uh, my guitar player uh, who's sitting over there, Bo, he. Uh, he actually came to one of my shows in Nashville in, I guess it was 2020, uh, maybe 2021, and was just in the audience and liked what we were doing. And the very next day, I went into the famous vintage guitar shop, Carter, mm-hmm. uh, Carter Vintage Guitar, and he was behind the desk selling pedals. I had no idea. I didn't, I didn't meet him the night before or anything. And I was just in there. I needed to buy some things from the counter. And he was like, hey, man. Uh, saw your show I, last I, night. I saw your show last night. I really enjoyed it. He's, he's, been, he's been my guitar player ever since. No Love way. that. Two years. Uh, That's awesome. A lot of really cool stories about the, the genesis of, of yeah. you and your band. The like flyers running into guys at guitar yeah. stores. The bass player, I he was a student at Belmont. I, I emailed the professor and I just said, "Hey man, do you Good have call. any do you have any bass players that are graduating that need uh, need a touring gig?" And he was like, "Yeah, there's this guy Lee. Check him out." So, and then Hank, we Hank plays piano. We uh, and organ and everything. We just were randomly at Honky Tonk Tuesday, which if you've never been to Honky Tonk Tuesday in Nashville at the American Legion, I'll take you there next. It's it's really. Awesome. One of the greatest things that Nashville has to offer, but he was playing piano up there on stage, and I just turned to Bo. I was oh, like, that's right. "That guy's that's gonna, our guy. that's our guy." And sure I enough, he's he's been with us ever since. So as we wrap up here, I got a bunch of rapid fire questions for you. All right? all right, so just first thing that pops in your head: Eagles or Chiefs on Sunday? Mm, gotta go. I'll go. I'll go Eagles. Uh, that's not going to be a fun answer for folks back home. A lot of people in Arkansas root for the Chiefs, but. You're in that no man's land down yeah, there. Yeah. Um, favorite Halloween costume growing up? Uh, anything with chest hair. I didn't. Obviously, <laughs> you, you can see. No, no, no. You, you're you're not getting what I'm saying. Like favorite Halloween costume to look at the chicks. Like slutty nurse. Like oh. slutty cheerleader. Oh, oh, oh wait, okay. I thought, I thought, well, I thought you were like <laughs> my <laughs> costumes. Look, <laughs> man. I don't. As a kid, it ain't about what other people wear. It's chest it's, hair as a kid. No, I had no. I mean, look at. I can't even grow here. It, it, you, Clearly, I have a hormone disorder of some kind. Uh, so all my costumes, it was pirate, anything. It was like really low-cut shirts and then drawn on his chest. Yeah, <laughs> my bad. I, so favorite costume to look at? Um, my gosh, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I love a classic cheerleader. Uh, Can't go wrong there. American, you were Razorback? Yeah. No, yeah. I wasn't. I didn't go to school there, but I, I was – the school we went to was – much cheaper program. It's a satellite school in Fort Smith. Four-year program. So Arkansas, Fort Smith, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we're about 45 minutes south of, uh, of Fayetteville, but not technically. My dad was a Razorback, but I couldn't pull it off. Um, but I, we're, fan, I'm, we're fans. Yeah, of we're course. Fans I feel of the, like yeah. you, it's like a 
way of life down there, I'm sure, in the it, it SEC is. country. It is. Uh, how much do you hate Yankees? Man, I really uh, – do you mean just as a people group? <laughs> you got me there. Uh, or the, the team. <laughs> I was going to change it to the team like the last question. I'd be like, hey, what the <laughs> fuck you mean you hate Yankees? Uh, as a people group, I think uh, I think we've really been so very wrong for so many years. I don't know when it all went south. Maybe, what was it, 1863? I don't know. Something, 61 something, to 65, but yeah. Something happened there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And we got our wires crossed. I, dude, I'm telling you, I love I yeah. love it up here. Uh, we just played in Ann Arbor, Michigan last night. We played in Pittsburgh. We played in Buffalo, New York. The, those have these towns have been my favorite to play out of anywhere. I love the folks up here. Um, just got to deal it's with just, the weather. It's just good old boys. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, we're I really don't boys. know what happened to I me. Mean, it's like a lot of good. Folks. He's as Yankee as it gets. He's from Boston, and, and I love this guy. So, <laughs> so you don't hate Yankees. Um, blondes or brunettes? We already kind of answered that question. Blondes. With br- brown eyes. Yeah. Yeah. They're green. Don't let his wife get a hold of this. Um, hunting or fishing? Uh, if it's fly fishing, I don't do any other kind of fishing. If it's fly fishing, or fishing. Um, I've actually never gone fly. If somebody far. else is if somebody else is trying to bait fish, then we're going hunting. I don't do that. I don't. I don't like I touching love, slimy fish. <laughs> I love fly fishing. I'm so. It's so fucking hard. We'll, we'll go, man. It's not. Dude, it's so hard. We'll, we'll get you worked I out. Can, I can hook fish, no problem. Yeah. I can't reel them in. I can't reel them in. I it's always tough. lose the hook. You I got always those lose noodle the hook. arms. You, you, no, it's just, you just got to, it's it's repetitions. You'll get it. It's, it is really hard. It is the most relaxing. It's the best. Peaceful. Thing. Like, I can totally see how the river runs through it. Yeah, dude. I can dude, totally. want to be Brad Pitt? First time doing that, I was like, I get it. Yeah. He's anti-hunting. So okay. he does. He won't ever sit in a tree stand with us. Wait, but me? Yeah, I am not anti hunting. That was. That was I'm anti trophy hunting. I'm joking about that. I don't know the ins and outs of trophy hunting. I've killed a deer before. That's not true. That, that's hunting, and you eat the meat. That's totally fine. Yeah, I, I'm giving you shit. Roll with me. Okay. Um, do I need to? Do y'all want to do this? <laughs> no, keep going. Sorry. Uh, and then the last question I got is: first thing you're going to buy when you're an American millionaire. That was a cheap, easy one. First thing I'm going to buy. I don't know. Man. I don't know. if You could be an American millionaire already. Life. I'm not. So far from it. Life. I don't know, man. Uh, we, I, I've got pretty much everything I need right now. I just... Good answer. Ah, oh, fuck that. Well, I, I don't... Live that, live that no, I know, I know. I, I'm yeah. sure everybody is, but I just mean... I just bought a big-ass sound system. I don't need that. I did it with money I well, don't I've even got have. One, I've got one of those. I've got a vintage. Uh, I've got a vintage turntable with beautiful monitors. I don't need a sound system. Uh, what is it? It's uh, it's like all all sixties. Uh, forget the uh, brand. Dude, where are you getting all this, dude? Nashville, man. I'm telling you, dude. We it, it's it's just a part of the culture. It's, it's I know, great. but this stuff is like unused. Like the this, the equipment you have up there is like out the box. Well, I mean. Okay, go to if you go to Reverb, uh, that website is it's best. So it is, but I mean that's if you're going to make a single purchase for an instrument that you're going to use for the rest of your right. touring career, good investment. You're right. You know, 
we're, yeah. we're looking for deals that are they're in mint condition and we're going to take care of them but they're meant to be played you know and um, so we're not hanging them up on the wall for people to see we're, we're taking them out on the road and and the cool thing about guitars is that when they break, they can be fixed. So um, I, I, I bought a 1968 Gibson 335, took it to Buffalo, New York to open for Paul Coffin, got it, walked into my hotel room, put my guitar on the bed, opened up the case, and grabbed the guitar, and the headstock was like this. Oh, no. All the strings were, were popped off of it and completely snapped in half the neck. Oh, um, Baggage so, handlers? Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe I don't know what happened. Oh. But that was that was an amateur, as amateur as you can possibly be. Uh, so I've learned a lot from that day. But um, was able to give it to my buddy. Shout out to Dave Johnson in uh, it's either Dave Johnson or Dave Johnson, Nashville, Tennessee. He it plays like a charm now. Dude, so. we I I couldn't believe again not being a guitar guy. We went to the Gibson Museum. In that oh, yeah. garage, yeah. right on, yeah. Dude, the prices on some of these guitars, yeah, fifteen, twenty thousand. Yeah. We're in an inflated market right now. I mean, Bo, my guitar player, works at Carter. Like I was saying earlier, you know, stuff that's stuff's way overpriced right now, um, and they're going for unreasonable amounts. So, you know, I mean, Kenny gets all his shit on like Craigslist. People sell guitars they don't realize are like vintage. You're like, oh, here's three hundred bucks. We've we've gotten a lot of stuff from that. Yeah, but, yeah, like some of the stuff they had, like the old model, like the really old classic models that they were showing us in that back room. Oh, that I mean, I that, mean that stuff's got history behind it yeah. too. I mean, they were I, like I did a video with Carter, and they they set me up kind of like this, and I played you know uh, one of my songs, and the guitar they let me use was 180 grand. <laughs> yeah, I was like we were fucking around on there. Um, what was that last June or so, like yeah. eight nine months ago, and um, I was playing at ten thousand. Like I said, I can play a couple fucking chords. That's yeah. it. And I, I look at the price tag; it was like eighteen thousand or something. I'm like, get this away from me! <laughs> yeah. I will fuck this up some way yeah. somehow. Dude, hundred eighty k. Yeah, and that's, that's and that's like one, on some of their cheaper cheaper stuff. They've got they have the guitar that. Uh, Plays on Sweet Home Alabama in there, the one that you know the bow, bow, no no they have that guitar. You know, I mean, you're talking like close to 500k. Wow, so that's um, awesome. Yeah, vintage. was that a Gary Rossi? Like, actually, his guitar? Uh, it was. It was the guitar that Ed King played that lick on, and then he never used it again. That's you want to know a funny story about Ed yeah. King? So I watched a YouTube video. Um, this was I don't know, probably six, seven, eight months ago. And it was this, it was Ed King interview, and in the comments of that video, it was a dude in New Jersey randomly. Ed King's from, like, is he South Carolina? I think Maybe, he's from South I Carolina. Know. I can't be sure. Um, but he was living in New Jersey at the time, and it's like, so, he, the, in the comments section, it's just a paragraph long. He's like, I would play guitar my and fuck around in my garage all the time with my buddies, and our neighbor came over, and he's like, hey, let me show you guys how to actually play this. It was Ed King. So I'm reading this comment, and I'm like, oh, Ed King would come on our podcast. So I, I reach out to Ed King's people. Ed King passed away in 2020. <laughs> so I'm just sitting there like, oh, asshole. Yeah. So that's my Ed King story. <laughs> nice. Good one. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Good one, Dave. Yeah. Right, let's bring I this home on a, on a better note than that, please. <laughs> Tell me you have another, Brad. Uh, I, I got, I got nothing. Rest, rest, rest in peace. Is there any, anything you want to get out to the people before we wrap up? 
I mean, this went way longer than we anticipated. I'm sorry about yeah, that. No, sorry no, I, I got, no, you're not. When, uh, I'm glad when, to be on here. If you could, you, you said one of your goals is to knock out the second album. Um, when would you ideally like? Get it out before the Windy City smoke out. And come back <laughs> here in July or August or whenever it is. Dude. I, was, I think they're already all booked up. I I'm, talk uh, to Ed. He'll be here in a minute. Yeah, I'll I, talk to him for all you. All right. I if if uh, if they can't have us this year, we'll, we'd we'd definitely love to come in 2024. Man, we're just I don't know what's gonna happen. I'm I'm happy to be in Chicago tonight at Carol's Pub. I, we're taking it day by day. Um, I'm just excited that people are liking these songs and listening to them, and the fact that it means something to them is is pretty special. I actually do got one thing to wrap up on. Right. So I'm doing, we're, I, I'm Googling, because there's not a ton on your backstory yet, so I'm just Googling. San Francisco Times or something called you corny? Do you know what I'm talking about? I Maybe they did. I don't know. Google your name. It's the first article that pops up. Oh, gosh. All but right. it's, it says it's like, he's, it said something about fucking corny, and and it was like, that was kind I'm of. I'm so sorry. No. <laughs> so sorry no, I mean, you know, no, there, here, there are. There, I, but I was going to say, you want to read everybody's them right now. It. Hold on. Well, he didn't know about it until you brought it up, so. I bet you he knew about it because he reads the internet comments just I like s- we I all s- do. I swear I didn't know this one. I've read a lot of the, the stuff that's come in, but I haven't read this one yet. Uh, uh, JD Clayton offsets corniness with refreshing honesty. I don't even know what the fuck that means, but I was like, what offsets. I think it's a backhanded compliment. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what it was. I know that's corniness. What it is, is what that is. Well, but there, what's, there's nothing what's corny. His, it's a fucking outstanding album. What's his name? Uh, we're going to tell him to fuck him. Scott Stroud. There Scott, you go. Scott Stroud. Oh, you got to go back. Um, well, I... Is that it? Uh, Scott, I, I hope you're doing well, man. I... I think you meant I think you meant a nice thing, and uh, so we're gonna leave it at that. I I appreciate you, man. Thanks for thanks for writing uh, writing about me. I like to tell people like <laughs> hey, that. All press is good press, right? I agreed, and I like to tell people like that that you're mad at your father, not me. Yeah, deep yeah. down. So who's not? Who's not? Uh, they, I hate my dad. Yeah, I'm joking. My dad. <laughs> he's, just, he's just like right in the meaty part of the curve, like I am as a son. It's right in average, you know. Yeah, that's not a bad place to be. No. Where have all the average people gone? Right in the middle. I'm happy with that. That's, that's good. actually a great question. Well, I didn't ask it first. Roger Miller, if you if you don't know Roger Miller, he's a great. He's kind of a John Prine of like the '50s and early mid '60s. So check him out. Um, I don't know what else. Thanks for listening to Barstool Sports with Dave. White Sox tape. And uh, what's the next song coming out? The next song, we have a song. Not to hold you. Not to hold no, your feet to the fire. We have a song called "Dirt Roads Bread." Uh, that's just kind of like a funky song about that part of the country where you know, in between Arkansas and Texas, where the dirt kind of changes to that. Um, I got the idea from that. And, um, yeah, that's. I think we're playing that tonight. I mean, it's just kind of a funky tune. I love it. And yeah. I, I didn't want—I didn't want to like overstep my bounds. Put no, you guys by in all the, means. Put you guys in this box when you were describing your sound and your influences. Uh, pers- like me personally, when I first started listening to you, the thing that stood out to me and that I loved about your sound was, like you just said, like that funk. Like you guys have 
a very strong bass player that's very like prominent in yeah. all your songs. You've got the organist. Yeah. You have these sounds that aren't, first off, obviously not commercial country, but aren't when you think country music, the first things that come to mind, which I love, makes you stand out. Yeah. And, I mean, if you, who are some artists right now that you, not to say you're on the same level as, but you would say are, like, similar, you're in the same lane as? Well, um, you know, I think we we aspire to be similar to to Chris Stapleton, a, a lot of what he's done for music uh, has been a big influence of ours. Um, we, Brent Cobb, Kendall Marvel, um, I, think, I think the stuff that Zach Ryan is doing for, for country music is a really good thing. Um, you know, taking it, stripping away a lot of the excess and just writing, you know, really deep songs. I mean, we need more of that. So, so good. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like kind of like what you were talking about with, um, you know, liking or disliking Yankees, um, <laughs> as the the people that live up yonder. I, it's uh, country music is not for Southern people, and that's a really messed up thing that we've gotten into the habit of thinking. I mean, country music is American music, and so with this album, Long Way From Home, like the goal is just to make music that Americans love um, and I think you know your, your Bruce Springsteen's your Creedence Clearwater Bob, stuff that we want to play whenever we're at the, at a baseball game yeah that they can just throw on real quick in between innings I, that's just that's the goal here it's just to make people happy we're not trying to be the next Morgan Wallen we're not trying to be um, no no offense to Morgan Wallen he's crushing it we're not, we're not trying to be anybody we're just I like writing songs and if Folks like listening to him. I mean, I think we've. That's you guys that's are. All she you wrote. guys are really about to find your groove, especially once you you know build your discography out. It's it's going to be fun to watch from a distance. And like I said, I love the album. It's it's outstanding. And thanks, man. Like thanks I, I can't wait to see what you guys are looking like five years down the road. You know. Yeah, I, me too, man. I'm, Don't, I'm excited. You know, succumb to a crippling opioid addiction now that once you become a you know world famous star it's, uh, and it's all not, that. It's Don't not do a, that. Yeah, stuff. no, yeah, totally. It, it's it's not uncommon uh, in the, uh, the my my brother in law is a DEA agent, so you know, I'm not my cousin. I'm, was, was I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to get into all that. Yeah. There you uh, go. This is a fun one. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, really thank you, it. guys. Thank you so much. Super excited you. for your uh, for the show tonight. Yeah, me too. Thanks for We're having me. We're gonna have on. to steal the table from whoever this asshole is. So. Yeah, no, no, he's definitely pumped, not. Pumped to see you guys. This has been great meeting you. Great talking to you. Thank you for taking the time. You too. Good luck really tonight. Thanks, man. Appreciate thank you, guys. It. All right, so that was our conversation with JD Clayton. Go check him out on tour. Check out all his new music. Uh, I'm really glad that they picked this guy. So uh, let's uh, before we get into right, us, I want to make this clear. So every, I think it's every Monday, we get a mass email distribution from our talent booking and guest booking at Barstool. And there'll be a list of like 30 names. I won't even have ever heard of 15 of them, just obscure people in whatever field. But I'll always skim for music and athlete guests that would fit on any one of the podcasts I do. So I saw his name, uh, said just released his first album. I fired it up and I'm like, this is really fucking good. Turns out he was playing at Carol's Pub, who, um, which is a, it's a small little venue, holds maybe a hundred, I don't know, a hundred people. Dante? Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Maybe a little more. Maybe a little more. And, uh, 
we know the owner very well. He, he runs the Windy City Smoke out. He's uh -huh. he won Grammys for like biggest country promoter. Um, he's a big deal in the country scene, and he's a good friend of ours. One of the sweetest guys you'll ever meet. Down like to his core, good people. And uh, we're like, this is perfect. Like, so I fired up the my phone. I'm like, hey, can we do this in the bar? They're like, yeah, whatever you need. So easy as that, and it turned out really well. Great dude. Great but it's not like I, I discovered this guy. I want to make that no, but you no, but you it wouldn't happen without you. So good job, Dave. <clears throat> All right, now now that the nice shit's out of the way, Dave, can you please air your grievance? I'm I'm uh, so interested. Dante is off my list today. Um, okay, <laughs> going to it. Hold on, just a moment. Uh, yesterday he was in the office and he said we're we're at we're doing this Valentine's Day thing at the bar and he said he's DJing from like nine to ten or whatever it was. I don't know. And he said that he was making it requests only. So I sent him a little laundry list of requests, and he didn't play one of the songs. Not one. Ooh. What Dude, were the requests? They were like country honky-tonk bar requests, not Barstool River North requests. Fuck it was off. <laughs> no, Fuck I'm off. serious. I'm serious. They have great songs, just not for that setting. Yes. Like, great. You know? No. I, I got to no, like great. But. <laughs> Hold on. I'm pulling him up. I'm pulling him up right now. The faces. Dante versus Dave. Yo. Yo. <laughs> Hold on. Faces. Ooh la la. Great like, song. That's the great fucking song. Are you going to play that in a fucking, like, dance setting? Like, like. Upbeat bar see setting. A single person dancing last night. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I didn't see a single person dancing. Here's a song. I here's a song I should have played because they would have actually liked this. Is City High? What would I do? Which oh, I honestly song. haven't. I haven't played that song in 15 years. Uh, good song there, Dave. Uh, Celine Dion. It's all coming back to me now. That's like gay bar anthem. Yo, uh, it was Valentine's song, Day, dude. Uh, King. Okay, here's another. All right, I didn't pay enough attention. To this King's Harvest, Dancing in the Moonlight, great song. I yeah, actually have a great bigger. remix of that. Yeah, there. That, you're right. I should have played that. Uh, David Allen Coe, Never Even Called Me by My Name. I don't think I know that song. Yeah, you do. How's it go? I don't. I don't recognize it. I'm not being an asshole. So I probably don't have it. Hold on, let me. I'll, I I know Ed, every lyric once I read it. Hold on. Ed Edwin McCain. I'll be. I'll be I don't know that one. I'll be your kind. How do you not know that? This is like the best one hit wonder of all time. I'll be all right, that's a that's that's a jam. Yeah, I I did throw songs in there that would have fit for. Newfound. All right, you're right. You're right. Well, that would have been was funny. All That would have been a good one. That I can New do to keep from crying. You know that song. You don't have to call me Waylon Jenny. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a weird one. That's a weird one. No, it's not. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard that one. Yes, you have. It's one of the most I'll have to, I'll have to pull famous it up. country pull it up. songs of all time. Okay. And last but not least, the song that makes my skin crawl. Summer Lovin', Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta. That I would have... I would have makes that. the girls slip in puddles of their own wetness. <laughs> that song. They heard that. It would, what what are you laughing at, Colin? All right. Listen, <laughs> we only have the grossest shit I've ever heard in my entire life. 
Johnny, you look we like you have something listen. to say. I well, I just want to get to on my list because I'm putting <laughs> Dave and and Dante on my list. Oh. Dave for just giving people shit in a really I, I love the way Dave gives people shit. I back him 100%. And I also simultaneously back Dante as a DJ saying, fuck you, I'm not taking requests. Or if I he am, I'm gonna vet, I'm gonna vet them. I'm gonna, but even if he like, he has like, you, you don't want a, a DJ to not like have a veto vote. Otherwise you like democracy doesn't work when you're running a playlist for people like he's got a, his ear to the ground in terms of how the crowd's going to react. And I'm not saying he's right on all I these. Know. Like I'm, I'm not having a debate Don't. about the subjective nature of whether it was right or wrong, but I always support the right of a person to be like, no, I'm not playing that. Dante be Thanks. completely honest with me. Did you look at that text from Dave and see like the first one and just go get the fuck out of here. Did you read through or did you just say fuck off? I saw a few of them and I was like, get the fuck out of here. I will say this. Now, right. now upon so, reading some of them, I was like, okay, some of these, some of these I could have played. I will say this. I sent the text because I obviously I was only 10 feet from him or whatever. I could have just walked up and demanded him to play the song. Like <laughs> just taking his iPod and clicked next or searched, you know? No offense. <laughs> but I did send that text, like knowing that I sent him like, I don't know, 15 songs. And uh, I'm like, hey, watch when Dante pulls up, like, looks at his phone again, watches, watches reaction, and that's why I did it. So I like the hold on, what the first song I threw on there, uh, faces, ooh la la. Actually, I just like that song. I love and that song. Great, fucking great song. One of the best that, ever. That is a that's a Sunday fun day song, like drinking, sitting at a dive bar, playing darts. I agree. Yeah. I put that at the top of the list, knowing that you would just be like, get the fuck out of here. And I wanted to see your face. For context, first off, fuck you for saying there was no one dancing there last night. When I played played your boy, Bad Bunny, that place went off. The fucking chicks in the middle started going crazy. And it makes me sick because I can't stand his songs. But they go off. People fucking love that guy. Back. Can't help it. Can't help it. <laughs> but anyways, all right, let's, let's wrap this up. I got I have to shoot a video in here real quick and send it to a contractor. All right, let's, uh, let's go into our <clears throat> interview uh, with Lost Boy Crow. Great week. We have a bunch of big guests coming up. We have to go do our interview with Gin Blossoms right now. Uh, anything else from you guys? No, fuck off. All no. right, well, I'll see you in like five fucking minutes. Fuck you. Uh, this is our interview with Lost Boy Crow. What's your real name? Chris. Chris. Yeah. Yo, his last name is Danks. How sick is that? Shut the fuck up. Wait, wait, Kenny. Kenny, are you being serious? What? I wait, I somebody's told me your last name and I didn't think that was it, but then I just yes. I was like, what's Chris's last name? So Dude, that we can no, put it on so the thing. And that's what I found. Last, and I was like, that doesn't I know that doesn't sound familiar. My last name is not Danks. Chris Danks, are we recording? You're gonna yeah. want this. This yeah. is great. Chris, <laughs> yeah. Chris Danks is a real person. Chris Danks is a real person who lives in Seattle. He used to write for a blog called Hilly Dilly, if you're familiar with that. Um, they were the first blog to ever premiere one of my songs. And because I was very protective of my birth name at the t- when I first started the project Lost Boy Cry, I didn't have my name out there. So the only name people found to associate it with was Chris Danks. And eventually it <laughs> came out that my name was Chris. And, yeah. and you know, you know, these things snowball. It's like, yeah. 
somebody writes something and then the next person just looks at that writes the same thing Yo. and it snowballed <laughs> so we it's... start this for anybody we're getting right into it this is lost boy crow we're talking to so hey. far kenny's got kenny got his name wrong. yeah well listen i've only called him lost boy i've known him i don't know I what seven years or something it. like that i don't think i've called him chris once in our no, relationship that would be very off-putting that would be did. weird that would be weird. but Here's i mean hey yeah, I'm lost, boy. It's you. It's it's close friends and family. I love it. But okay, so that's not even that's not even where the story ends. So Chris Danks, <laughs> this thing is snowballing. Blogs are writing Chris Danks. Um, it gets to the point where I go to like a Spotify, like Grammys party, and they have like name tags for everybody. No. Chris Danks. No <laughs> joke. Yes. It, that's not even the worst. It got to the point where I worked with an artist on Hollywood Records. Daddy Disney sends me a contract to sign Chris Danks. No way. Should have signed no that joke. contract, man. You could get yeah, out of that dude. One. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who the fuck signed that. Chris Danks must have signed. At least it's a cool ass name. Like, right, it's not like exactly. they were like Chris Smith. It's like, all right, well, at least he's Dank. That's fucking sick. Yeah, dude. yeah. He's dude. Dank. Exactly. Oh my I could do God. much worse. But uh no, the real Chris Danks and I always have a laugh about it whenever whenever we see each other. Um this is the best way to ever start off a podcast. I will also say <laughs> Lost Boy, this is Johnny in the cool sweater. He plays in a band What's called up? Congos, uh, and uh, Colin yeah, plays yeah. in a band What's called up? Foxtrot, and he's the host of this What's podcast. On, and we're still having so great to, to meet you guys and uh, to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, bro, yeah. I will say this too Kenny, for a long time, because we've been on this run, we've been booked out for a while, and yeah. like we've had like all these motherfuckers, and the whole time in our group chat, Kenny's like, Yo, we need Lost Boy on, yo, we need Lost Boy on, to the point where like <laughs> Kenny would text me on the side and be like, Yo, motherfucker, listen. We're bringing this guy on. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. Oh my God. So, okay, okay. Dude, well, Lost Boy, Lost it. Boy, uh, you know, here come the compliments, is one of my favorite fucking writers around. Oh and God. currently, and I've always loved your shit, and I love your voice, and I love your, I love you very much. And so I would send these guys on the text thread, like, your songs. I'm like, yo, listen to this. We're getting them on. Listen to this fucking song. We're getting them on. Here. Wow, wow. Is that why there was a surge in Strawberry Sunscreen Plays this last probably, month? Pro- that's probably what it, it was me on repeat. Yeah, yeah. Yo, Kenny, that's... I feel like you've been on an ayahuasca journey or something, because the last couple podcasts we've done, you've been so much, like, so filled with love. Yeah, I guess it's because we're getting, like, people that you're friends with in and it's like, right. well, and you see, actually do love up- them. But I hear that word love from you one more time, and I'm going to think it's weird. Well, we're finally starting to bring on people that I like. You know? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah, we had, uh, we, had art, we had art from Everclear on last week, and Kenny and him oh, basically cool. just sucked each other the entire time. It was like, I, oh, I, I love you, bro. Right I there. love you, bro. Love art. I right right there, you must know thing. art, too. Same circles, right? Well, similar circles. I don't know him personally, though. Again, shout out just another hashtag, just a kid from Oregon. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we gotta love those Oregon boys, Justin Herbert, Art, me. Um, <laughs> no, but I was at that. Do you remember that that birthday party that he played Dude, at? We talked about oh, it on the yeah. podcast. I told that, before that we. Is, that is one of the my my life's highlights. I said this. Okay, so I said yeah, the same said- thing at the end of the Everclear podcast. I said. Art, you know how in life you get like four or five magical musical moments? Like you're like for me, it was Nine Inch Nails in Germany or Smashing Pumpkins at the Troubadour. I was like watching you play those songs standing next to a pool with just like 20 friends around was mm-hmm. one of the best fucking nights of my life. Completely same. Yeah. I completely. forgot we were there together. Yeah. No, that was one of the best nights ever. And then uh Chris from from um 
Fountains of Wayne got up and played. Yeah. It was it was unreal. What? Yeah. What? How the fuck were you? So it was Penny... Max's fortieth birthday. Yeah, uh, his wife for his that, birthday. That's how Max's favorite writer that. in the whole world is Chris from Fountains of Wayne. So she yeah. flew him him in and got Art to come, and then everybody just took turns grabbing guitar and playing yeah. songs. It was unbelievable. Can we just have a moment to say like Fountains of Wayne? Like, is there ever been a band that's had one hit that less encapsulates their catalog than right. Fountains of Wayne? Right. No, like what no. a great yeah. what you're a talking great... to two of them right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just oh, saying, dude, great. fucking Fountains no, of yeah, Wayne. Yeah. Welcome Interstate Managers, like literally one of the best fucking like pop rock records of all time. And all anybody yes. all anybody knows yes. about is fucking Stacy's mom. Like totally. it, what I a see. what a it's it's always so nice to talk talk to people like you who get Fountains of Wayne, but I feel like whenever I'm with maybe like on a date or with someone that doesn't know me, you're like what like asking you know like what's your f most influential bands or e even just other interviews like what's your most influential like band sounds whatever and i mentioned fountains of wayne i feel like i, I have to do like a run-on sentence every time it's like <laughs> right it's yeah. Mom, but it, yeah like, yeah you know here's a funny things. fountains of wayne side thing matt i forget which one it was but max and marms matthew coma we call him marms yeah. Yeah, FaceTimed yeah. me on Christmas one year and I was like with my whole family and they were both sitting in front of a fire in a Christmas tree playing acoustic guitar singing Fountains of Wayne and I just couldn't hang <laughs> up so I spent like 20 minutes just watching them play on FaceTime incredible incredible uh, I, I like find I like finding out people's like weird influences like not like somebody being like oh man Queen was really big for me or like anything like that like for me like it's G-Love and Special Sauce is always like my one wow. I have to be like that's my my hometown thing you know what i mean like and if fountains of wayne is for you like i like finding out like the weird bands people were influenced Mine's by like, blink I, know not, I would get yeah, fuck you <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say i know this isn't a kenny interview or a johnny interview but like who's your weird like kind of like sentimental no, i, I like, want to hear this too i want to hear this too yeah all right give, give me the question give me the question in full sentence so form. to to where to where <laughs> to where lost so where Lost Boys is is Fountains of Wayne or mine is G Love. Like that band that you're connected to that like people wouldn't get right away or why you're even into it. Like because it's not Blink, it's not Metallica or shit like that. Like who's a band that like is off the beaten path that's a huge influence for you that is like a god in your eyes, but to other people, it's just like that's just another band. For me, it's not they're not off the beaten path of like super big bands, yeah. but when people listen to our music, I don't think they would hear any direct influence. But like Cypress Hill for me mm -hmm. was wow. such a major Whoa. influence. I think completely indirectly because nothing in our music really sounds like that, but it, like it influenced my brain. And then Prodigy, I think you can hear a little bit more yeah. of that in some of the yeah. production. But those two bands, like obviously when they're not you guys, off the beaten when, path. But when you're on a bus after a show and everybody's hammered and one of the Congos guys is DJing the bus stereo, you'd be so surprised the type of music <laughs> that they play. It's the heaviest electronic shit you've ever heard. Wow. So Prodigy, Prodigy uh, makes sense, actually. That does uh, make mine, sense. I don't think yeah. I, I, mine, I guess, off the beaten path might have to be like, like I grew up obsessed with like 90s skate surf punk. So like okay. Descendants, Strung sense. Out, No Effects, Lagwagon, No Use, like all those bands were like gods to me. And I got to work with Strung Out years ago and they just couldn't understand why I was geeking out. Like I was almost mm -hmm. in tears. I played a show with them on keys and I was like, wow. this is the best. This is the yeah. best moment of my life. And they're like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm like, you don't know what you guys mean to me. This was kind of one. Chris, has there ever been anybody you've met that you've gushed over and they looked at you and they're like, I didn't think people actually gave a fuck about my music like this. hundred percent. And it's actually a mutual friend of Kenny and I's. Um, it's our, our dear, our dear boy, Chris Chu. 
Oh my God, Pop Etc. Yeah. Pop Etc. So he he they used to be called the Morning Benders, and that was a band that I'd been turned on to. I think when I was like, you know, just starting to get into things when I was like nineteen or twenty or so. And I remember like even asking for their CD for Christmas and getting it and like nerding out on all their YouTube videos. It was like him singing with like the dude from Grizzly Bear and stuff like that. And then years later. I see him walking into the same session as me um, in Eagle Rock or whatever and put two and two together shortly after. And yeah, just totally nerded out and ended up coaxing him into doing my entire uh, last album it was just just me and him together. Which, so you guys so did a lot of that at, or oh. some of that, the drums and stuff at my studio. And I was going to say part of why Kenny's the best, you were you were nice yeah. enough to let us do drums at your spot, which is huge. So. Chris is the nicest human being. And for those, I mean, I'm sure a lot Absolutely. of people will recognize the name Pop Up Setter, Pop Etc. But he had a couple smash hits through the roof and his voice and his songwriting is fucking incredible. Yeah. Unreal. I love that. I like I like to be able to tell people that like, you fucking love them the way like i mean even mark robert like someone who's like become like a friend of ours and shit like that but like fucking oar was the shit to me and like yeah. get to hang out in mark's studio in new york and just like text the guy will text me on my birthday like that's weird to me i got to like, do that to a producer yeah. not too long ago there's a guy that i work with uh in animation named ryan green and all the bands that i just named he did all of their records every single one of them including wow. like megadeth and like crazy like oh, wow was, they say he's like the godfather of 90s skate punk pennywise no effect he did all the no effects records like well, anyway i started working with him in animation dialogue so it has nothing to do with music and so nobody in the department or nobody on the company knows who ryan green really <laughs> is right yeah and i'm like yeah. dude I, I could say that the bands that i listened to growing up were important to me and shaped my life but you made those records. So kind mm. of in a way, you're the mm -hmm. most, you're the reason I play music to this day. And it was just a really cool, like to be able to tell that person that, you know, like if you listen to 10 mm. bands and one guy made all those records to be able to tell that guy, like you're the reason I played music in the first place, man. It was really special. Chris, who's so someone that you, Chris, who's someone who you haven't been able to tell that to yet? Like someone you could, if you could get in the room with them and just gush and be like, you're the reason that I'm oh, doing man. what I'm doing today. Oh man. Oh, that's so tough. Um, oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I want to say probably Steve Zahn, um, you know, from, from that thing you do. Honestly, that's what I was gonna, like that. I know it's a movie, but like his, his character and just that, that whole movie, I know it was, it was, um, Founds of Wayne. It was Adam from Founds of Wayne and, and Mike Viola. And like, I haven't met Mike yet, but he's he's dope and I love seeing him play. Um, but yeah, any of those guys. I feel like that that movie and that soundtrack, like, honestly did shape me. It was the perfect time. I was like, you know, super young when it came out and just grew up with it. And Dude, do yourself a favor and don't watch the George and Tammy, you know, about George Jones and Tammy Wynette. There's yeah. a yeah. Showtime show because Steve Zahn plays uh tammy wynette's later husband who's a fucking creep and like he plays it so well that you're like oh i don't know if i can like steve zahn anymore because no. i also i fucking love him yeah. as an actor and i then love this when so actors good. are so good you kind of yeah. hate them after they do a role yeah he's the so creepy you're just like fuck this guy what the was last the movie time I... with uh steve zahn jason biggs and jack black saving silverman saving oh yeah great yeah. movie yeah that yeah. was the uh 
Yo, if it's all one nacho, it's one nacho. It's yeah, he went to sub. He went to SU, Subway University. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, the last time I saw Steve Zahn, I saw his dick and balls. Remember? Did you fucking watch uh, White Lotus? I oh, did. Yeah. I don't. Oh, I have. I don't remember that scene. First did episode. They... Full frontal. Full. It's definitely a fake wow. dick and balls, okay. but it's just guys. Steve I gotta go. Home. I have to rewatch season one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been great <laughs> chatting with you. Uh. Just come over to Steve Zahn and be like, thank you for your work and that thing you do. By the way, great dick, dude. That's an awesome dick. <laughs> That's a nice dick. All right, so off to Steve Zahn's dick path, dude. Uh, Lost Boy Crow, let's talk about the fucking project. Like, I know you're talking about being from Oregon, but how'd you wind up where you are now? Like, what's kind of like your trajectory and path and how'd you cross paths with Kenny and why the fuck are you here? Like, how did you get here? Like, this is Man. these are the fun conversations for us where we get to be like, yo, like, let's actually hear how people got where they were. Totally. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure we all have similar trajectories in the sense that, man, I was just one thing always leads to the next. And I feel like I was fortunate enough to have this sort of determined yet easygoing mindset to just kind of never stop and also go with the flow. If that's not too, too cheesy to say, I mean, I was grew up in port around Portland, uh, graduated high school and then, you know, not to brag or anything. Um, and then, uh, just was in and out of, <laughs> of uh, in and out of like indie bands and stuff, um, you know, just playing the local scenes and and making those friendships. Ended up playing keys for this band um, called the Ecstatics, and they really wanted to move to LA, and I had kind of always been thinking about it, and it was kind of just the push I needed. Like it wasn't riding on me; it wasn't my project, but it mm. was just the, the nudge I needed to get uh, where I wanted to go. So we moved to LA. They ended up moving back shortly after I stayed. Uh, I made fast friends with people and they're still my friends to this day. And just kind of, uh, yeah, I was able to kind of, uh, I was able to work with, with my buddy Dylan. Um, long story short, was in a band with this other guy I grew up with from Oregon. There's, it's all like Oregon. It all comes back to these Oregon kids, man. Um, there's this band called Floor. And they're I all love Floor. from, from Hood great. River, Oregon. Yeah. And so I kind of knew them a little bit before I moved down. And then once I moved down, I was able to start working with Dylan, the bass player, who's a fantastic producer, um, does a ton of stuff. He's working with like Halsey, Mr. Wives, a bunch, bunch of cool artists. And um, yeah, he he was nice enough to want to work with me. And we made like four songs and I decided to uh, put them out a, a few months later. And it's kind of just been, you know, nonstop ever since just figuring out what this is it's it's just been uh you know the chris danks story ever, ever <laughs> since. did you find that like i guess kind of it seems like you like run into a lot of people from where you're from in a place where you're not from like did you kind of like click up with the oregon people that you found when you got to la yeah definitely um it was kind of these really full circle moments like the drummer from floor he and I had grown up together, but then he had moved down, you know, with them and I didn't really know them. And so when I moved down, we kind of had that rapport, but we were able to get closer. Um, and yeah, there's a couple other good, good people. I feel like whenever you meet someone from the Northwest, there's like this instant. Um, you PNW energy. Love each other. I know. <laughs> I know. We just really do. It's, it's sickening. Um <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I've been been fortunate enough to meet up with with a lot of cool people from from Oregon. Yeah, kind of like full circle moments, like after the fact. And, um, so here's a random Oregon question. It has nothing to do with music, but we had a day off in Bend. Is that town? I guess that's a fucking weird town, right? It felt like 
Oh yeah. <laughs> like, like I'm not, well, I wasn't just imagining it cause it's like, it's beautiful. It's nice. And yet I was like, someone's going to be murdered tonight off the bus <laughs> by like a beautiful housewife or so it has like a weird, it's like too nice. It's I, I would agree. I've never, I guess, put two and two together with the murder. Like I never felt like I was going to get murdered there, but I see what you're saying. It definitely <laughs> feels like an alternate like astral plane or something like it's okay. perfect it's technically perfect it's like this whatever like the promised land would be it's like <laughs> mountains rivers the the beer flows like wine yeah. uh, <laughs> it's kind of like a little like a little stepford wives situation where everything's it's a little too perfect maybe like something about it because like yeah exactly like you're saying it's perfect it's like it, it's idyllic and then i think it's I what people think of think of like quintessential oregon but also like what portlanders it's like if portland was like amplified and was actually like just out in nature like in the mountains like do you identify with portland or not um it's funny it's funny the image that portland has been given right over the last 10 years you know what i mean well Mm -hmm. i'll be honest i've never been to portland and i feel like i would i would get destroyed out there like i don't know i think people from the northeast part of the country think of the people from the northwest part of the country as like crunchy granola weirdos. you are pretty opposite from what i would think of when i think portland right yeah i don't think i would do well in portland like i think maybe i'd have fun but like, just like walk out into the street and be like there he is the patriarchy <laughs> get him <laughs> there is that no. but also i feel like portland is all just like there's so many not unlike la there's so many transplants i feel like it's all people like yeah you know, the Oregon Trail never really stopped. It's all just yeah. people pursuing their their dream. I feel like it's a lot of people from Brooklyn. Yeah. A lot of LA yeah. transplants. Yeah, more hipsters yeah. going I out to say Portland. I fucking, that makes sense. I, every yeah. time I would see Roseland Ballroom on the Master oh, Tour, right? You're like, oh, fuck yeah, dude. Love, love that. Like just that area of Portland. So good. That uh-huh. food truck, little court. So good. Yeah, I mean, you used, a, you used a word in there that I think is actually kind of an interesting conversation to have because me and you, like, I think both going towards the same kind of place, but, like, we did it different ways, and I, you're a transplant to L.A. Like, mm-hmm. have you, you ever thought about what your career would have been like had you stayed in Oregon and tried to make it from there instead of moving to L.A.? Like, do you think the move to L.A. was a huge, huge catalyst for what you do? I do. I actually think it was everything. Um, and I, it's hard to pinpoint beyond that, right? Like who who knows what would have happened. I just remember it's interesting to describe the scene in Portland to people and I'm sure it's changed. I'm obviously, I've been, I've been in LA for like almost 10 years now, but um, there's so much art happening in Portland, but it's all for better, or for worse, it's all just very self-contained. It's like they're making art for themselves. It's like you go out to see a show and it's going to be just like some guy. It's just going to be like, you know, three people in like coonskin hats playing like a saxophone through like guitar pedals. This is my dream. It's no, it's amazing. But like, and and this is at least when I, when I was there and going to shows all the time, like it's, it's, I think I've felt, even if I couldn't articulate that there wasn't really for me, there wasn't like enough industry to really like be networking or making those friendships. Sure. I feel like Portland is the place where you go, uh, bands go kind of after they've got things going a little bit. Like, like, you know, we have, we have the shins, we had, um, you know, we had, uh, 
Spoon, like all, all these bands that like I think claimed Portland, but like they didn't come up in Portland. Right. Right. Um, they came back to Portland. <laughs> they came back to Portland and moved to Portland after the fact and kind of set up shop. And I feel like Portland's a great place for that. But as far as like starting a career, I mean I, I made some really cool records there and I loved um, you know, working with people there. But I feel like for me, I I was preaching the whole like you got to move to LA, you got to move to LA for so long for that reason. I just feel like I wouldn't have. I've been saying the same thing at all from from like an audio standpoint and production standpoint because I come from Florida, right? And I have friends oh, yeah. who live in Florida. Yeah. They're like, why isn't it working for me? I'm like, well, who the fuck are you working with? You know, and like being in LA, like that's how I met Chris. That's how I met Matthew Coma. That's how I met all these people. Not even in the music circle or like you know, in a business circle, they were just friends yes. of friends of friends. Yeah. And it's just, then you meet these crazy people who are incredible just by being here. One of the first things Johnny ever said to me was uh, he came on one of the first times and I, we were, we were having this conversation about the idea of moving to an industry city versus doing it without doing that and doing back and forth trips. Cause I live in Philadelphia and I won't leave. Mm. And Johnny, Johnny just <laughs> goes in his voice. He goes, uh, Colin, have you ever thought about I don't know, leaving. And I was like, no, fuck <laughs> you. I, I like it here. But to be fair, I have done plenty of trips to Nashville and I've gone to LA. I've done all this shit that you have to do. But yeah, that, it's that's always the thing I, I would always tell tell people too. It's like you don't have to move here, but I feel like if you want I feel like it's necessary to make those trips. Like you're saying, at least make yourself available, not even in a business sense, but yeah, make yourself available to like make friends and be here. And you know, you also need a reality check because you can be a big band, almost any, there's a few cities like New York, LA, even Chicago. I feel like you've got to get out of there and go to those two. Austin's like a weird thing. I'm starting to find out like, it's a legit music city. I was skeptical for the longest time, but like, I feel like you can get enough of a knock back into place in Austin. There's enough talent out here. But if you're not like when we were playing in coming from Arizona, you just need to go to LA, go to any fucking bar. And there's a thousand bands beating down the door that are better than you technically, maybe not like artistically, whatever. It's a good reality check to think Mm -hmm. like, is this what I want to do? You know, yeah, and then yeah, the, yeah I, I agree. You I don't agree. necessarily have to move there, it's, but it is useful to just see like what's happening at the highest level of the game, sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you you haven't. I remember one of my first uh, trips to LA with before I moved here at all. I was still in Oregon and just um, <laughs> like got in a van with my band at the time. We drove down. We were supposed to play the Old Town Pub in Pasadena, and we got there. And they had booked us and then they came out and shook our hands and we're like, we're so sorry. It's not happening tonight, guys. But like there's this oh. bar in Silver Lake where you can try. We go to this bar in Silver Lake. We had some members under 21 at the time. They're like, we're so sorry. We can't do anything for you. So it's not a direct directly uh, have to do with what you're saying. But I feel like that was a, a big like cutting our teeth moment of like, oh, my God. Yeah. OK. Um, yeah, I, f- I feel like life. there's the we've talked about this before, but there's that danger also of moving to L.A. too early because I mean, look, the vast majority of people go to L.A. and do not make it. Yeah. In fact, do probably worse than not make it, like end up yeah. going broken, like either moving back or ending up on the streets, like literally. So there's a danger to that, um, like because we did so many trips to LA, so many tours, we go out there and play and we got good showcases, we got good meetings with people. And then we blew up from nothing related to that. And then to go to LA after that, when you've got a bit of like heat going, whoops. (laughs) 
<laughs> when you've got Uh-oh. a bit of heat going, uh, makes it that part a lot easier. Because if you're just going out there, like it can get, you get a, des- a feeling of desperation if you're just going to try and network. It's, mm-hmm. It can fucking get you, It's not you, an man. easy thing to do, I think, is the, yeah. the end point. I, I have mean, an actual an actual interview question, which is, I guess, what ooh. I do now, even though we're friends. Wow. All I'm right. Curious. Damn, well, interview. Big J journalist Kenny. Yo, here we go, dude. Check this out. Okay, so, Christopher, tell me. <laughs> um, I'm curious where 1990 Nowhere came, out, out, came from, because it includes or has to do with a few of my other friends. I've seen like Armors and Oliver and, and Sam Beresford and, you know, that whole crew. And I love the music. There's a interesting through line. It is different, but like, is one, are you more passionate about one? Is one just more fun? Or are they two like things that you do love? Like, how does that work? Yeah, that's interesting. So 1990 kind of, we all basically met on Twitter uh, at, at one point as or another. Yeah. As you do, like we'd uh, Oliver, Brian, um, goes by Oliver the Kid. He and I had been seeing each other around at, at different functions and stuff in LA, but we never really made music together or hung out. And so he was friends with Armors, uh, Sam and Olin, and it just kind of worked out. We all kind of realized we knew each other. And uh, Brian just kind of orchestrated this hang. We were working out of a, a place in uh, Sam Studios in Orange County at the time. So Brian and I met up one day we took the train down to orange and we hung out the four of us Olin, sam brian and myself and we made a song that day that ended up being our first single twenty dollars and um just didn't stop and it was so it's kind of always this really easy effortless friend thing like every time we got together we would make like two songs and that's the best way couldn't really help it um so yeah it's still kind of that vibe it's it's pretty much just brian and myself now and sam um is dope enough to produce and record with us. And, and just so these boys know, Colin and, and Johnny, Sam is the keyboard player of Winneka Bowling League with Matthew. Yes. Uh-huh. Who, didn't didn't you make that connection? I did. Yeah. Marms was looking yeah. for a keyboard player and I had just found Sam. Oh no, I worked with Armors. I worked with Olin and Sam. I was a fan of Sam from that day and Olin, obviously. And then Marms was like, I'm looking for a keyboard player. I'm like, I met this kid. I think he's really good. And now they've been playing together. And Sam's producing all types of people now. He's, he's We're making my whole next record together. And, Love uh, Sam, dude. and by the way, we live together now. I don't Do know you if really? you know that. Yeah, yeah. we live in Burbank Where's together. Sam? Uh, he, he's, uh, he's working at the studio. He's yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that oil. But uh, <laughs> he actually mentioned, I told him I was going to be on this today. And he was, he was like, I don't want to say he was upset. But like he wants to. Be on. <laughs> oh, I would wants... love to have Sam on. He would dude. love the, to come the mar- on here. Sam, okay, how do I say it? Mar, I keep calling him Marms. It's Matthew Coma, right? But Matt, he's so fucking witty and smart and funny. Like, I mean, off the cuff, his shows are some of the most comedic, incredible performances. The shit he says in between songs. Sam, this guy we're talking about, is the quietest sweetest like <laughs> you know kind of in the shadows kind of guy so marms would like poke fun at fuck he says like this song is about a girl named a woman named diana that was a teacher at sam's school when he was in grade school that he had sex with or so like it's sam's like, kind of <laughs> it's a really fun dynamic those two but i'd love to get sam on here man yeah absolutely he he's he's there man he's ready he's hungry so right, and so then it- i saw that you're going out as lost boy soon very soon very very soon we uh this is our first little headline teeny tiny headline run and we're yeah. going out march 3rd the first show in san diego and then our, what's up who are you bringing with you uh this artist brooke alex mm-hmm. out in nashville 
okay. she's great. And then my the guy that plays bass for us, you might know him as well. His name is Ray. Mm -hmm. He uh, he's going to be opening up a lot of the shows as well as his project Kid Cadaver. Yeah, double duty's double tough. Duty. Double duty's tough, man. Double yeah, duty's he's. Tough. I saw you're playing Orlando, which is my hometown. So if you need like weed or anything, you know. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, Orlando. Yeah. Oh, Orlando. Uh, I don't yeah. think the, the thing in Orlando you buy usually is weed. I feel like it's usually like meth or something like that. Yeah, that's or, true. Am I right? yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm not wrong, right? No, I mean, whatever so you, you need, need, you know? <laughs> if you need meth, call Kenny uh, if any cops are listening. <laughs> yeah. I am curious, too, as someone from the outside, because I'm not in this L.A. collective here. Like, your story does intrigue me because it seems like you're spending a lot of time burning a lot of different irons and a lot of different fires. Like, how often are you writing? Like, are you in a writing process right now or you ever get out of it? You know, that's a great question. I I think it would surprise people how little I work on music um, for, for how many projects I'm involved with and how many things I'm able to create. And I think that's part of, I can only speak to my process, but um, I think that's part of the quote unquote success or whatever you want to call it, or, or the ability to make a lot of things that I'm very happy with. Is, um, it's, it's something that I kind of, let come to me in a way i know that I, i'm trying to describe it in, in a way that's um i don't You're know not forcing not so, anything not so that, loop yeah. exactly you can't force it um for me personally like i'm always writing a little bit mm. but i'm not i don't wake up and think like oh, i'm i'm working on music today i have to write a song today you know i i'll have certain um if i've accumulated enough of those like song starts or or just if i'm feeling really inspired i'll get to the studio with sam or someone and, and lay something down or, or start the process um but for me i don't really work on a ton of music at home unless it's like one of those things at midnight where you just have to pick up the guitar and you, that that's something inside of you that needs to get out and i think that's the the key point i'm trying to make is like it's always got to start with something inside of you that just has to get out and i i'm not saying that's the best way to do it i know a lot of people work work really hard every day on, you know, beats or I'm going to write a song. But for me personally, um, I kind of have to step away, live my life and kind of subconsciously gather, 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 gather all these things. And it accumulates um, to a point where I just can't help but, but put something out when the time is right, whether it's a, a studio day I have planned or again, just midnight with my guitar, it finally spills out. Tell um, me how, yeah. I'm curious how, strawberry sunscreen came about and how the fuck you so quickly got 25 million streams or something like that <laughs> on one that one was that one was interesting uh it was it was kind of unusual uh for the process that that we do now but that was one where sam just had like the little that four chord bump 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 yeah, bump, yeah. four chord little thing with drums and, and guitar that he pieced together and he sent it to me and was like hey what do you think and for me, I'm sure you guys can relate to it was one of those things where like instantaneously first listen, like I knew it was going to write itself. Yeah. I knew I didn't have yeah. to sit with this and was going to like toil over lyrics. I was like, I just started singing and like the melody knew what it wanted to be. I think a song, like the best songs to me are the ones that kind of know yeah. they want to be written and that mm -hmm, song yep. wanted to be written. So he sent me that instrumental. I think I wrote it like that day, um, just humming around on my phone and whatnot. And uh, we recorded it shortly after. And I mean, I think hopefully the reason it's it's accumulated uh, those streams is just it feels really effortless, I, I think. And um, 
yeah, we were able to get like a, a little Netflix sync with it too, which was fun. But yeah, Dude, that that's really I mean. cool to hear that the, this kind of emphasis on effortlessness and to go back a little bit to what you were saying before. It's something to kind of take and try and learn from you is because right now it just feels like there's this unstoppable pressure to constantly be producing because you're trying mm -hmm. to keep up with the fucking mm -hmm. algorithm, but that it's not necessarily leading to any better work particularly if you're someone that oh. does work in a better way where you just allow it to come when it needs to come. So that's kind of cool to hear you say that. And uh, it's like a reminder to me, like, don't always be fucking pushing because sometimes when it's you're exactly, pushing, it's, nothing it's exactly good comes the, out. It's exactly the way I Absolutely. feel with like um, a lot yeah. of times because I always feel like if I'm not writing, then there's no chance. Right. Right. So I'm just I write and I write and I write. But all of my best shit has, for lack of a better term, come by accident. Right. You're yeah. like, mm -hmm. yeah. I was just fucking around. I was super high. I did this. My friend did that. Next thing you know, it's like some of the some of my biggest songs were just pure accidents. It's a weird conversation to be had about like, uh, I don't know, velocity or like how mm -hmm. often you write versus mediocrity. Because I feel like most of the time when I'm in my modes where I'm like trying to pump out songs left and right, most of my worst shit is in that because I'm trying, as, trying. As a, I could tell you as a songwriter. Like I did nothing but songwriting for like a couple of years. I think it's like when I met Chris, I was working with a different band every day. So I only had one day to finish a song. Cause for the most part now in these industries, like a demo really should almost be the final thing. You don't often yeah. forget yeah. a demo that like, okay, now let's go cut this demo. Right. So yeah. the pressure of like meeting somebody you've never met <laughs> vibing, writing a whole song start to finish and then also producing it and sending it to the label, you know, in hopes of kind of really put a bad taste in my mouth that made me take a break from making music for a little while. Cause it just felt like it Dude, had become a job, right? You're like, I've got, I have to make this work so that my day's paid for or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. So go when all you going listen back to, to the, that, like the effortless is the, is the way for me. In the co in yeah. contrast to that, I'm probably going to con contradict myself, but I think we talked about it in one of the previous podcasts. I don't know if any of you guys have seen the new Leonard Cohen documentary. It's kind of centered mm -hmm. on the song Hallelujah. And obviously that song's become super, like, I mean, it's a fucking monster song that everyone's done a version of. But that process for him was like an eight-year process. He wrote 180 verses. Jesus. So it's like the flip side of it. You know, you see the opposite of, of like, just it comes naturally and it's quick. And then you hear the story behind that song. And it was like eight years of self like reflection of the deepest and most like painful imaginable wow. thing. And, and, wow. and then you see the result is this song that has gone on to impact pretty much everyone on earth that's heard a piece of music in the mm -hmm. last 10 years. I guess years, when you know, you know, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, I, here, I, have a, I have a thing with this too, because that's a really good point. Because I think there are those nights where it's the song's not always going to come in 20 minutes or an hour. I think there are certain moments where, and this is something I have to remind myself of, you do have to work at it. You do have to roll up oh, your yeah. sleeves and, you know, get in there and see what works, see what doesn't. But I think the difference is, and probably what happened with the, the Hallelujah song is like, as long as that spark, that little tiny piece of magic is there, then I feel like, yeah, you, it's worth, you know, it might take you a year, but that's worth sort of the, the more, more of the, the role. Yeah, you have to be grinding out. But if that magic is there and sometimes the magic isn't always there, it could be just the song title. It could be, you know, like mm -hmm. a, a couple chords or like, 
that one line in the verse that you really love and you just can't can't walk away from but i think you have to be kind of gentle with it it's a very tiny little flame that if there were it's it's not i don't i guess what it comes down to is this it's not about the length of time or the effort put into it it's about the um underlying feeling and um like truthfulness that is is done there with that because i've had that Mm -hmm. we've had i've had a, a bright flame and i've put it out by like pushing too hard and there's yeah. other times where i've been maybe able to keep a clear vision of that flame and work from years for a song but yeah. i've kept it kept that alive so it's it's a it's a gentle touch at the same time as being a tremendous amount of effort but there's a See, gentleness a ca- that has to be i'm there. such a coward i'll have a full <laughs> song completely finished and then something's not working to me trash in the trash it goes really it was never oh, meant man. to be for that the most archive, part, I won't archive. Say don't trash kenny archive yeah. oh yeah, yeah. well yeah i still have max and i still like when max and i would write for fitness 99.9 percent of the time we'd agree on everything and then the other little bit we'd have a disagreement about how something was supposed to be trash right in the trash <laughs> Dude, we had a we had this song called uh domino that we all were convinced we were like this is the greatest thing that we've ever made and then we went in the studio and we did it and we got the first like board mix back and we all listened to it collectively like in in separate places and then in the group chat all of us just texted back yeah we got to delete this this is trash we wasted days we wasted days in the studio that after one listen we were like yeah, no, that's not it. We need to go back to the drawing board. Wow, wow. Uh, but you know what? We were right, so I'm I'm happy. I was gonna that. ask, did you after time? Did you still feel that way? Do you? I mean, it's one of the, it's one of the few songs that I won't send to people. Like if oh, I'm dude, like, we have like, to hear this fucking song yeah, now. We oh, play it on air, yeah. it, live. It's 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 just not like the you could there. It was like so bad that like the conversations in the group chat were like, do you think the verse should be the chorus? And we're like, all right, if we got to ask, if we have to start surgically chopping this song apart, we yeah. have bullshit here. But it was at a point where like management was excited. We were excited. We're like literally telling people, like, dude, you should come into this studio session. This shit's going to be fucking fire. And we did it. <laughs> and legitimately, six people on their own accord all went in the group chat at the same time. And we were like, this fucking sucks. Is this bad? Like, <laughs> it's like when I saw Thor, it's yeah. like when I saw Thor Love and Thunder and the movie ended. I turned to my wife and I went, did that just suck? And she was like, I'm just yeah, waiting for Maroon 5 to have this moment like 30 years from now about their entire fucking uh, career. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll tell you what. Chris and I wrote a song with Max. I, was, I, I wasn't going to bring it up, but I was going to bring it, it up. It still oh, has a spark for me because every once in a while I'll hear it and I'm like, this fucking song is so good. It's so good. I just, I don't know if I haven't figured it out or if it's just in the bucket, but I love that song. Oh, it, answer it me this. Some, good. Good. No, no, I was going to say it had some, some, it had that spark there for sure. Yeah. I feel like Max was really in his, me always is, but in his, yeah. in his lyrical bag that yeah. day. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. He's a fucking wordsmith. Talking guy. about yeah, prison. Really shit. It was, it was Dude, the way he writes though, it's so storytelling. It was like, mm-hmm. I met a man in Allegheny jail who, gave me a cigarette and lit it with a paper clip and two batteries. And you're like, how did you make that lyric? So yeah, catchy what the fuck? Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Dude, when we were doing the Mustang with Chevy Mustang podcast with him, I still got in a completely unreleased episode. I've got edited on my computer here. <laughs> yes. The rants he would go on were like, 
sometimes I was like, okay, I can kind of get now how those, like you see these movies of preachers where they get possessed by the spirit and mm. get taken on this amazing thing. Cause mm -hmm. Max would get so deep into character like he was gone and just like yeah. magic would flow out of his mouth. Yeah. It was total nonsense, but at the same time, genius. Do you know? think I'm, we should have Chevy Mustang on this podcast? If dude, if he'll come on, he yeah, may come if he's on not, as if he's not too Mustang. busy changing the world on Twitter. I know, yeah, I know, yeah. I know. <laughs> he, he might come on as Chevy. You know what I mean? <laughs> that would nope. be great. Twitter, Twitter can rest for a, an hour or so. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm always intrigued because you guys are all so obsessed with his songwriting, and like, cause, just because you guys know him, like, I I like when pe like people get emotional about someone they know as a songwriter where it's like that guy has something special like mm -hmm. i bring up my my boy joe p i think joe p is like the best songwriter out now because he does things that i can't do like who you know chris who would you say is like your favorite current songwriter that like even from a distance you might watch and be like that is the best songwriter out Mm, I feel like I always have these are things I think about when I'm like on a walk, whatever, and then I get on a podcast and I'm like, do I know songwriters? Right, do I know right. anyone that writes <laughs> this, songs? This uh, is a weird podcast though, because you can say whatever the fuck you want. We man, well, I'd be remiss if I, it's someone I, I kind of meant to mention earlier when we we're talking about influences, but uh, I'm wearing wearing my boy from uh, Doug from Built to Spill right now. I feel oh, like that's great fucking band. That's that's someone that's still I know they're kind of, you know, they're culty and they're from from decades past, but I feel like he's having this crazy resurgence. And I just I love the new stuff, honestly, too. I feel like he's he's on a level that I, I would love to be on um, someday. So he's he's great. Um, Mike Viola, I just saw him play the other night. Um, he's still he's still like the guy, man. I don't know one writes a song like him. Um, yeah, and then I, I'm trying to think like newer artists. Um, I really love, I really love um, like Gene Dawson, Dorian Electra. Um, yeah, oh, man, I'm I'm blanking, but there's some. There's Are some you as there. obsessed with Taylor Goldsmith as Marms is? I was I was gonna say I'm. I don't think anyone's as obsessed with yeah. as, <laughs> as Marms is, but. Uh, he actually played at that at the Mike Viola show the other night. He played oh, really? an early song, and it was one of the best songs I've ever heard in my life. Like, He's a freak, dude. Taylor Goldsmith is just a Unreal. fucking animal. I'll put Marms up there too, man. Fucking everything Unreal. he writes hey, makes me mad. I, I agree <laughs> because I mean, I'm like, get... I can't believe how did I not think of that? It's so good. yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I, not to get sidetracked, but did uh, did Congos ever play with Dawes? No, that, we didn't. Because okay, yeah. well, I I feel like I saw Dawes at the Crystal Ballroom, and I must have seen you guys play at the Crystal Ballroom years ago Up in Portland. On, yeah, we definitely on, played there. I mean, it's possible at like a radio festival, like separated yeah. by mm -hmm. so many sets that I don't remember. It, but I feel like yeah. I would have remembered that. Like, yeah, and you guys, you guys have probably played there multiple times. I'm assuming, right? I, I think at least at least twice. I think that maybe place has twice. the bouncy floor. Yeah, I fucking it's love that. Maybe I would I've seen you with uh like Brett Denon or like Oh, I love Brett Denon. I'm trying to think who we played Crystal Ballroom with. Uh that really I definitely saw you. Funny long name. What were they called? <sighs> Johnny, did we play Crystal Ballroom together? No, I don't mean AWOL, I mean fitness. 
No, dude, by that point, we couldn't sell Crystal Ballroom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, I'll tell you where we played, Kenny. It was uh, if you go down the alley from Crystal Ballroom right, right. and then down through the, the strip club, the, the vegan restaurant. No, I did a tour played Hawthorne. With, I did a tour with Big okay. Data. Kind of the same vibes, but we were playing oh, a show in Data. El Paso. I swear to God, it was under a domino's restaurant wow. i was gonna say i don't i don't know any venues in el paso i've never had the pleasure of of uh there's not a lot of pleasure it. to be to be had there but uh, <laughs> Billy, going the back to the crystal ballroom for the listeners it is notorious for its bouncing floor it's an old building yep. with a hardwood floor and when a whole crowd's in there jumping the floor actually it feels like it's like six inches like the whole thing totally moves. it's oh some, my some of my favorite shows have been there i i I've, i i saw like i said i saw dawes there i saw congos there i saw yeah. group love there which is one of my Great favorite band. shows. Best. i'm trying to yeah. even look up who we played there with the ecstatics oh that was Okay, we played with you guys then. <laughs> oh, <fuck. laughs> Whoops. I'm sorry. Wait. Oh, no. I can't. I remember both of the gigs really well, but I just don't remember. Yeah, it must I have been fuck. great if neither of you remember what the book happened. Well, That's so funny. I you guys played, played shows together. Oh, my God. So, so that was the band I moved to L.A. with that I was just playing keys and, and a little tambourine in. And I remember oh, wow. we, we, would, we would play the Crystal sometimes because we'd win it in like a radio thing. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. But like, I remember watching you guys from the audience. So I guess I I blacked out and forgot that we actually uh opened That's up that so show. Funny. This podcast oh, fuck. Does yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I I was probably we were probably just pretending we were cool. Like on the third big show we did, we were like yeah. totally gone to our heads. We're like we don't talk to any bands that we play with. Dude, there's like three or four years <laughs> well, where I never left the fucking green room. You know what I mean? Oh, you're such a oh, cool bag, sure. dude. Yeah, no, oh, shut, dude, Colin, it's dude, you'll you get, get to that point where you're just like, it doesn't matter how good the band is. Like, I there were so many times I didn't even go out and watch, like, we were out with Kings of Leon, yeah, and that's, that's I a flex. Fucking love them, particularly after the tour, watching them, and I didn't go watch them like a lot yeah. of those shows what? it's not because i didn't want to go see it or not i couldn't go learn from them it's just like when you dude, get you're to fucking 270 tired of music when, when you get to 270 fucking shows a year you're like i'll catch the next one man 100 percent. i'm not even at at that point yet and and even 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 so i'm you know yeah you're you you, you gotta rest sometimes you gotta just rest your ears sometimes you but gotta that makes it so special though when like somebody ears. comes into the green room and they're like yo yeah or you hear it from the green room and you're like, I gotta go yeah. fucking see it's, this. That's hey, special. you know that sound you've been looking for? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So are you out here? How about this? Are you coming through Austin? We're coming through Austin. We're playing. All right, uh, I'm gonna get, I'll get your contact from Kenny so I can come see you at a show and then I, <laughs> I can be like, awesome. remember me? <laughs> yes. Uh, we we, we would didn't love that. or I we would... did meet fucking 10 years ago. Are you I coming mean, to honestly, Philly? Who, who can even remember 10 years ago? But uh, I would love to get your info. We'll come see. We'll have you out to Mohawk. We'll hang. I'd much rather nice. you see this set than the uh, than the ecstatic set 10 years ago. God bless them. <laughs> Are you coming to Philly? Unfortunately, we're not coming to Philly. We were just in Philly uh, this last November and just didn't work out with the routing. I think the closest we're getting is is New York and oh, okay. uh, Boston. He'll be but. in he'll be in Austin on March seventh, and then in L.A. on the first of April, which I will be there with fucking bells on, my dude. Amazing, yeah, sick. If yeah, you can get awesome. if you if you can get Kenny to come out of the house, you're doing something right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I only I leave for friends because sure. you know I have Thanks. kids now. How crazy is that? Well, and Kenny's got a great setup, so like I'd 
I just assume you stay at your house. I'll come to you. Yeah, like, that's what needs <laughs> to happen. Play the show at Kenny's house. Yeah, we've had a lot. Of, we've had a lot of good pool roof? parties here together. On the roof, and we jump into the pool. Come yeah, on. yeah. He knows. So. He knows. <laughs> yeah. He knows. All right, well, fucking Chris, this has been awesome, man. Your seat is always open. You're allowed to come back whenever you want. This was a lot of fun. Um, what, so do you have new music dropping for any of these projects? Are you planning on doing more? You just had music come out. What What's going on with, with the Absolutely. records? Absolutely. Album just came out December 9th. Uh, it's called Indie Pop. That's what we're going to be touring with um, in March. We're hitting the road with that album. Uh, 1990 Nowhere is getting back in the studio soon. We'll have stuff coming. Um my other project, asking for a friend, because I just I just can't stop writing. Asking for friends got uh, an album coming out in the next couple months as well. So, Jesus, lots nice. of stuff. And then, what time does uh, training camp start for the uh, Los Angeles Chargers? Like, when do you have to yeah, go back yeah. to training camp? Start <laughs> playing? We were talking about this before the yeah. show started. This dude looks exactly like Justin Herbert. You fucking handsome bastard. Hey, hey, it never stopped, man. The, the grind never stopped. I'm already out there two days, you know. I respect that. Hey, God yeah. every, every Friday at the, the Van Nuys Rec Center off Hazeltine, hit the turf, man. Um, you're welcome to come through. Oh, yeah, but, uh, we'll fuck... No, I, I would love to come back on again and specifically just talk uh, basketball and, and Sixers with you at some point as well. All so I'd right. to do that. Yeah, let, let, let me know when that happens so I can not be there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> so you can go yeah. fucking talk about yeah. rugby and Quidditch yeah. and all your fucking weird South African. <laughs> Sports, lost boy Dude, one last thing let's go. not talk I, sports today con i dare yeah, you know week, you know we got to talk about oh. i got on this fucking zoom and and, and johnny play it again play the he just started uh, going like this uh, <laughs> the poor guy fucking eagles uh, <laughs> uh, i was rooting for them man i really was yeah me too <laughs> obviously <laughs> me too Hey, you know what? On, on a positive note, they, they've got a great QB1. He's got yep. the right stuff. He's got a phenomenal attitude. He's yep. a leader you want to get behind. It's not going to be the last time you see them in that spot. So. Yeah, if we want to put a positive spin on anything, Jalen Hurts was the better quarterback in that game. Um, it does not. Did I literally that. thought Kenny's screen was frozen. He just zoned the fuck out so hard. <laughs> yeah. uh, the right. fact we'll that Jalen Hurts played that. Five, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll just be me. We'll bring on. We'll get White Sox Dave and Dante on here. Yeah, yeah. Dave get those barstool guys yeah. on here. Dave can drool, <laughs> and it. Dante and me can have a conversation. But fucking Lost Boy Crow, Chris. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. This for, was a, for this was a da- this was a dank time, my friend. I had a great time. Oh, wow, full circle moment. Love it. Yeah, that was that was a. That was terrible. All right, bro. We'll talk to you soon, all right? Yeah, thank you. I will talk to you soon. See you, man.